this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom, episode 284. I'm Dave. I'm here with the main man, Rich. Rich, how are you going? I am barely hanging in there, buddy, but I am hanging roll. in there nonetheless. You're like Led Zeppelin at the end of like a two and a half year tour. You know, there's just so much cocaine being consumed, so much alcohol, so many shows, so many groupies. You're just a burnout man, are you? You're a husk. Oh, know. definitely Bernard. Oh, uh, <laughs> nothing, no, nothing to do with cocaine. Nothing to do with cocaine. No white lines in Rich's Rich's life. Um, you, they've just been working you hard, haven't they? Basically, haven't you? Have you had a day off since the last time we spoke? No, today the wow. day that we're doing the show is my first day off. So, oh, so did you have to do your reading today, or had you done that during the week, like at night and stuff? No, I crammed it all in today. Wow. Wow, so you're a real professional, Rich. It surprisingly made me even more tired. Oh, dear. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it's it's good to have you here. I do want to do a shout-out. Uh, Adam and myself uh, recorded a Dread or Dead episode. It's a Judgment Day sequel that's actually currently... It was like last week's 2008 comic and the magazine. They did sort of a two-parter. Um, mm-hmm. And we recorded that, and that show will go up tomorrow along with this show. So in... When you, when you get Signal of Doom, you'll also get Dread or Dead. So the two shows are going to come out on the same day. Um, just, a, just a nice piece of synchronicity uh, there, Rich. And, um, right. yeah, and we're, you know, look, looking at more stuff uh, in the in near future. And there will be another flashbacks fairly shortly after I get through the James DiMatteis and Elliot S. Magan interviews, which we are hyped for. We've got Elliot S. Magan uh, later next week, and then we've got uh, JM on the weekend, so next weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. We're looking very excited to those things, looking very forward to them. After that, Adam and myself will regather for another flashbacks. We're going to be doing the Grant Morrison and Mark Millar flash run, Rich, which isn't collected mm. in one trade. Have you read that? I got the time Probably, on. but I can't remember off the top of my head. Back in the 90s, because this was like late 90s, almost 2000s, like in that, what I thought was a very sweet period for DC, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Were you buying Flash, like, you know, weekly, monthly, whenever it came out? Um, Was that one of your titles? I only really started buying, like, regularly in the 2000s. So that would have been Jeff Johns, wouldn't it? Is that Jeff um, Johns? Round about then, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. the pro- as I said, the problem is before that I was living in South Africa and I didn't yeah. have... Um, I didn't have access to like, oh, this month and this month. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was all very random and even old issues yeah. and stuff that I found, you know, on racks and stuff and all that. So I didn't become like a, a proper, proper, oh, I'm going to collect it every month. Sure. Uh, sequential until about 2000. Okay. And that was such a strong era of just DC in general. Like, for, oh, I'm not saying every single book, but. That period, there, there was a real bedrock of very solid DC books. I thought they had the line in really good shape from probably about 98 to probably about 2009-10, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think I think the Millar was also with Grant Morrison, yes. wasn't it? Yeah, so late, like in, was a... late in Mark Wade's run, 
what basically they did was, so he'd done six trades worth of material, so a lot of flash, and we've covered all six of those on flashbacks. He swapped out with Grant Morrison, and he did some JLA, and Morrison and Mark Millar co-wrote Flash. Um, mm. for You know, for enough to fill up a, a, a reasonable-sized trade. Not like a huge run, probably about 12 issues, if that. You know, like a year. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and that's the next trade we're doing. And then Wade comes back, and he gets, I think, two more trades out of out of him, and then he hands the baton to uh, Jeff Johns. So that's kind of how it worked. So they their sort of run is is like two-thirds of the way through, or even three-quarters of the way through Mark Wade's run, and then he comes back, finishes up his run, and then it goes to Jeff Johns, I believe. So I think it's pretty interesting. And, I mean, Jeff Johns was the one who eventually brought Barry back in Rebirth, yeah? Yes. Yeah, but that wasn't until quite late in his run, was it? I think for a long time. I've not read any of it. I, I own all three omnibuses, and I'm looking forward. Oh to no, no, no! That that was yeah, that was a long time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, afterwards, uh, his flash run was well, well before him doing uh, a flash rebirth. Yeah. So was he writing Flash at the same time he was writing Green Lantern? Because I was reading his Green Lantern. Uh, flash rebirth. He did well. Yes, when he was working on Green Lantern. But what about his regular Flash run? Was that was that concurrent with his with his Green Lantern Hal Jordan you know run that he did? That was early two thousand, wasn't it? Till like two thousand twelve or whatever. It was like a decade. No idea. Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay, all right. I'm just I'm just wondering how it all um, fits in. That was it. Was just a question. I I don't know. Um, I, I no, wasn't. No, no. Really. His, his, the Flash was before Green Lantern. Okay. Right. Okay. Oh, I see. So it was before, and then he, and then he goes on because Green Lantern is where I, I was picking that up from Rebirth. You know, from the, you know how he did Rebirth before the start of his regular run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I picked up those from I I stuck with his Green Lantern for quite some time. It was really good. I remember really liking it um, at the time, but I I just wasn't a Flash reader. I liked Flash, but. You know, you you had to stretch your dollars. You know what I mean. You could only have so many dollars you could spend mm-hmm. on comics, and and Flash just wasn't there. But um, okay. Now I do have. Uh, before we move on to my next news item, Rich, uh, this week obviously just work. Was there any shows? Was there anything from you? Um. Or just nothing. Just the grind. Working for the man. I Jesus, I don't actually remember off the top of my yeah, head. Yeah, you're just dead inside. Uh, R.I.P. to Coolio. Uh, he lived in a gangster's paradise, Rich, and he has punched out at 59. He did live to see 24, at least. He'll live to see 24. I don't know the way things are going. I don't know. I don't know if that rule applies to one-hit wonders, though. What do you mean? Gangster's paradise. Remember that song? Yeah, I know, but you know the you know that what, what you're talking about that 24 is a lot of. Um, but that was in stock. his that was in his that was in his rap he, when he when he, in Gangster Paradise he goes a 23 now will I live to see 24 I don't know the way things are going I don't know so I'm saying he did. Make I always thought that was I always thought that was all to do with those um, uh, people that killed themselves or died. Yeah, that's the 27 Club, the rock oh, star 27, club, the 27 okay. like Jimi Hendrix. Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison were all 27 when they died. 
Um, no, but but I'm referencing Coolio's own song. Oh, Gangster sorry. Okay. Fair enough, man. I'm I never was a gangster's paradise. I don't know yeah, the words. That's okay. I was all over it, man. I remember Dangerous Minds, the Michelle Pfeiffer movie, one of my favourites from the nineties. That well. was that was the soundtrack. That was good stuff, man. That was peak. Davey was at his absolute cutting edge peak. It's probably about ninety five. Just wow. I mean, he did well to survive, man. Uh, apparently, it was worth around two point five mil when he cashed out. Um, he lived a life of luxury. He obviously, you know, spent it as he earned it. Uh, to be only worth two point five at death. Um, uh, had something like ten or eleven children. That can't have been cheap. I'm thinking a lot of child support in his uh, history. And really, just one big hit. Uh, I don't know any other Coolio songs other than Gangster's Paradise. I, you know, like, it's it shows you how much money that, that you know, song must have made and that he could keep cashing in on it for all these years. Uh, and then, you know, caught the last train out, Rich. Any thoughts on Coolio? Nope. Just another casualty of the war? Mm, I wouldn't <laughs> go that far. I'm not sure what war it is that you'd be... Speaking of the war on drugs, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think he was a talented artist, and certainly that that song is a classic, and I think a lot of people remember that song and where they were and, and that era. Uh, and you know, he's cashed out now. Uh, now, my Smallville marathon continues. I'm getting towards the end of season three. This is a great show, Rich. I actually mm-hmm. did I text you and I said this may be the best show ever. At one point during, I'm loving it, man. Like season three, when he gets the red kryptonite ring and he goes to Metropolis and he doesn't sort of have any conscience, it, it's really got a comic booky feel, and I mean that in a good way. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the show's starting to have a lot of fun with itself, and Lex Luthor hasn't turned like super evil. Um, still a fairly sympathetic Lex. I mean, you know, he's got the 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 incident with the island. And his father, like his father is just such a slime bag, Lionel Luther. Um, mm-hmm. One episode ended with his father sucking on a gun barrel. I was like, hell yeah. This is kind of the sort of stuff I like. And then just a lot of good stuff, man. Like I, I'm going to say this now. I really uh, regrets too strong a word. But if I'd realized the show was this good, there is no way I wouldn't have been watching it at the time. I, I just didn't realize that... Um, it's it, it's a lot of fun. I, I think it took some time to set itself up, but by season three, would you agree with me? The show is really has found its feet and is having quite a lot of fun. Oh yeah, as I said to you, I think it's uh, the first four to five seasons yeah. are are fantastic, and then it just starts to yeah plateau and then decline. It, it starts to go downhill from there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I'm I'm, I'm keep going now. I have something, uh, Alicia. Wow, what a smoky little fox she is, man. The blonde, um, she's she's a bit crazy. Let's be honest. She can she can sort of like teleport everywhere. I think she was a recurring character in Smallville. Rich, you remember her, Alicia, the little blonde hottie? Uh, for a while, she was a, a recurring character. I like her. How about when she turned up in his bedroom and Clark was really getting involved? Um, yeah, a great character. Is she based on a real character and from the comics? Surely. No, I don't think so. Oh, man. Like, because I'm like, some of these characters, I'm like, they no, should be from the comics. No, or, a lot, of the, a lot of the characters, I mean, your main ones are, 
Um, sure. Obviously, Yolana. Um, you know, I'm talking about some of the villains, though, you know? No, a, a, a fair bit of that stuff is made up because it was never supposed to tie into the comics. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, it, like, dude, with how shit the comics are these days, how about taking a character like her and putting her in the comics? You know what I mean? Like Harley Quinn went from the animated to the comics. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't think the character is that popular. That's going to save comic books. I, I mean, I'm I'm for it. Can you can you tell my enthusiasm? It's up there. It's right up there. Yeah. I was I was entranced, and and I said, so I don't think people care about a character from 20 years ago. That's probably too late now to save. You know, but, but I would. But here's what I would do if I'm a writer. That's the kind of thing where you see this character, you go, yeah, this is a cool character. She's got this cool obsession. She's got this cool power set. I could just bring her in, and, and I can I can model off her. Like it's it's like how Jeff Johns must have gone through the who's who and selected stuff out, and then you you know what I mean. Like and then and then put in the comics, like to mm-hmm. d- d- do a redo kind of thing. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about, Rich. Come on. Yeah, man. I just don't think the character is that good that you that, the, the the way you think it is. I love her. I got to be honest. She's a smoker, and, and I said to you, she's hot as hell, and she's a little bit psychotic. And I dig it. And you said that's why you like her, Dave, because she is, she is a mental case. Let's be honest. Yeah, She's you are. Really you problems. are attracted to the Crazies. damaged people for some reason. Yeah. Well, you know, like like sees like, man. I mean, I don't know, man. There's just something about it. Uh, it's entrancing. It's intoxicating. It's a little bit toxic as well. You know. Mm. <laughs> mm. Also, also, there was a character who. Uh, look, I mean, I'd, I'd done it. She was like a computer expert, but I knew the actress, and I'm like, I know this actress, brunette, uh, and very attractive, And but I'm like, I know her, and I realised afterwards it's Missy Perigam or something, and she's in Rookie Blue, and then she goes into FBI, which shows Michelle watches. Uh, she watched Rookie Blue, and she watches FBI, and I sometimes watch it, and I'm like, my God, like, this was 20 years ago. She really has maintained her look so well. Like, um... And but like her look was the her look hadn't changed if you know what I mean like she did look a bit younger but she hadn't really radically changed her look and it was it was it was fun seeing her like twenty years ago when she was just getting started because she was a model who then went into acting and this was like if not her first acting gig it was up there amongst her first acting gigs you know mm-hmm. to break in so that was fun I, I'm just digging it man I, I I'm just I like I'm catching up I mean some people would say I've hopped on the bandwagon fairly late in the piece would you say Rich. <laughs> I would say very late. Yeah, but I'm making up for it with enthusiasm, you know? And uh, and I'm calling for Alicia to get into the comics, you know, and that crazy toxic bitch. You know what I mean? Like, well, take heart in knowing that you're the only one that ever wanted that, so it makes you special and unique. Well, come on, Rich. I mean, you could hop on, you could hop on board the bandwagon as well and get it started, like give it a push from Signal. There's no need for us to be a house divided on Alicia. Who was your favourite in the show? It, take out Tom Willings. Uh, unfortunately, mine one turned out to be the actual real-life psychotic. Oh, yeah, the one who was looking for sex slaves. Chloe. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Adam said to me, careful, Chloe's looking for sex slaves during this period. <laughs> mm. She's got her own casting couch going on. Yeah, currently incarcerated, uh, indeed. And um, yeah. luckily... She, I, I always liked her character because she's one of those characters that, you know... Um, she, she's interesting. She clearly loves Clark. She knows sure. the secret. She's helping. Yeah. 
Uh, and you kind of want to see her have her happy ending, even though you know that it can't be with uh, with Clark. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, uh, so I enjoyed it. But yes, obviously, many years later, Tainted. <laughs> turned out that uh, the, the actress is not a nice person. What about uh, Lana Lang? Do you like her? I think she's a bit of a hottie. Mm, not she... really, no. Oh, really? What's wrong with her, man? Like, there's some makeout sessions that, that, that Clark gets involved with her where I'm like, yeah. Yeah, she's not ugly or anything, but she just doesn't hottie. do anything for me. She's a little hottie. She's a little bit too cute uh, girl next door for me. I prefer the more crazies. You know what I mean? I, I like the bad girls kind of thing, the baddies. Like, I liked the chick who was in FBI or her character. But Alicia really, uh, she crossed the line in a major way and, and became a real interest to me, you know? I did. I did like the the, the chick that ended up playing Lois. Yeah, not up on. to that yet, but I do recall her. She was good. I actually was at Supernova. It might have been with you, but I don't think it was. And whoever the actress was who played Supergirl in Smallville, she was there signing, and she was beautiful. Um, I'm not up to those episodes. I believe very late in the Smallville run, Supergirl. Is in it. You you would know this. You've watched it. She's in it to some extent. That actress mm. is in, was at Supernova signing, and she was a beauty. She really was a beauty, like a true beautiful, you know, like model, um, basically. And I was like one meter away from her. I looked at her and just thought, she's a slice of heaven, you know, basically. I was just like, I I was just like cash on the table kind of thing, you know, like how much, you know, um, it'd be. Very expensive, I would suggest, Rich. Um, any comments? Maybe. Oh, come on, maybe. Are you kidding me, man? Uh, nothing comes cheap with that level of beauty, dude. Nothing comes cheap. That is cash investment. Real cash as well. Deep pockets. Deep pockets, man. You know it. Don't deny it, Richard. It's it's not for free. It's 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 substantial. No, we we live in two different worlds. Dave. Well, what are you yours, saying? What are you, you saying? Yours, Just... is, yours is more seedy than mine. You see everything <laughs> with dollar values. <laughs> what do you think you're going to win it with, Rich? Like sweet words? Is that what you're going to do? Sweet words? Like what you're going to help out around the house? Like I'm telling you, man. Like no, but what I would say is um, the one thing that trumps beauty is power. Sure, sure. So, you know, you don't necessarily, you just have to have power. Just got to have some sort of, again, I'm not talking about like, got to be the richest man in the world. But I mean, if you can, uh, if you can command some power, be sure. powerful on some level. Sure. You, you don't have to pay anything for her. <laughs> true. True, I guess, Richard. Yeah, but that is kind of also, almost the same thing. You know, like, yeah, that is almost the same thing. But yes, I agree. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I'm, I'm more viewing it as a transaction. Uh, you're almost viewing it as like workplace harassment. Um, but like, yeah, I, I hear it. I hear. It. But my point is, uh, what was your views on her? How much is she in the show? Much? Not that much. No. Yeah. Okay. So Dave can probably calm down a little bit in season three before she turns up. Uh, you can fully <laughs> calm down. Yes. <laughs> how much is? How much is? Uh, what's the name in it? What's the name? The chick that I like. What's the name of the fucking? I've forgotten her name now. Is it Felicia? You're talking about Alicia. Alicia, yeah, Alicia. How how often is she in it? Nope. Is she in it much? She will completely disappear. She only appears in two episodes. 
I'm just reading. I'm just reading the thing now. Mm-hmm. That seems like a tragedy. That seems like a waste. This is why I said to you, the only one screaming for her to be included in the comics is is me, her, and her agent. <laughs> She's probably even forgotten about it, Dave. Let's be honest. So <laughs> someone will be like, "I loved you, Smallville." She'll be like, "Smallville? The fuck did I? What?" Yeah, two decades ago. I had a show called Smallville. Yeah, two decades ago, the residuals are, are nothing. Anyway, it's just I'm just glad to be alive. Now, Rich, I've often said at times, you've heard me at times, this show, every now and then Dave goes a little bleak and I stare into that abyss and it stares back at me and I, I look into the skeleton and it's like, why are we carrying on? But I now have a new reason to live, basically, Richard. Hugh Jackman is back for Deadpool 3 as Wolverine. Deadpool 3 is dated for 2024. Ryan Reynolds announced it with Hugh Jackman. It's on. I have a reason to live again. I am here on this rock till September 2024 minimum. I cannot wait. My heart is healed. It's back. Uh, Rich, your comments, your thoughts, your observations. Are you happy for me, for all the Deadpool fans? I'm happy for you, and I'm hoping that you don't get sucked into a big fat troll. What do you mean by that? Well, slow slow it down. Slow it down, man. What? Well, put it this way. I wouldn't put it past uh, Ryan Reynolds with his sense of humor to be going to all this fuss and then uh, Hugh Jackman's owning the movie for five minutes. Right. Wouldn't put it past him. Well, I mean, I'm excited just that Deadpool 3's been dated as well. Uh, Yeah, I, I think they've backed the money truck up a fairly long way for Hugh Jackman uh, to do this. What do you think Hugh'd be taking home for this? I, I, upwards of twenty million, I would say. I would say upwards of twenty million for him. I don't know. Do I don't know what he's worth, man. You don't know what his net worth is. No. We've often had a discussion on Signal where I've said he's he's worth over two hundred mil. He's worth a lot of money. He's got a lot of properties. Um. I mean, so then he could essentially just be doing it for his friend and out of uh, yes. passion and friendship, yeah, right? Bullshit, man. They're, they're, they're doing okay. it. For, they're, both, they're both getting rich off this. Richer, should I say. But um, oh, that's the only way they've got Hugh Jackman. They, they're finally... I mean, he has been resistant to this. It's taken forever to even get to this point. I mean, I'm just so happy. I mean, can I... I, I am thrilled. Ryan Reynolds I don't know, Dave. If all, it, if all it took was money, I'm pretty sure they would have paid him that long time ago. Well, I think he's held out. I think he's held out. I think he's held out for a right script. I think he's held out probably for a substantial role. You know, they've had to get a script done, something that would impress him. I, I You know, I think it's going to be a two-hander. I think you're going to see... I don't think it'll be Blink and you miss it. I don't think it'll be Wolverine. I don't think it'll be Patrick Stewart in um, Fantastic Four. That would be a disappointment. You know, a really short role. I think it's going to be fairly substantial. I, I really do. And, I'm um, saying, and I hope so too. I'm just saying, I wouldn't. The problem with their sense of humor is they could all just be laughing, going, "Oh my god, you're going to be in there for five minutes." It's so funny. Yeah, but even if he was, it's still Deadpool three. So I'm excited for that. Just, just in itself, I'm, I'm fucking so ready for Deadpool three. I'm back on the um, fucking bandwagon. Maybe I would have been if uh, Deadpool two wasn't such a disappointment. I, I enjoyed Deadpool two, but I didn't love it. Deadpool one's my favorite, but. I think they've learned some lessons, uh, surely, and I think that the hunger's there again. Um, I, I've got to be honest, this flipped me over. It's like I'm a puppy dog and I'm getting a tummy rub. I'm that happy about things. I, I, I am. 
I have genuine happiness flowing through my veins right now, Richard. And you know I don't feel things very often, but I am feeling just pure happiness at the moment. If Good I could, if I could fast forward in time in the DeLorean to just attend the premiere, I'd be so happy. Deadpool cap. I'm going to get a Deadpool cap. I'm going to get, I've got two Deadpool caps. So I'm going to get a Deadpool jacket. I've get Deadpool pajamas, Deadpool socks. I've got obviously Deadpool t-shirts. I, and I reckon I'm going to go to the 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 movie theater when it comes out in all Deadpool, just decked out completely. That's what I'm going to do. That's how my life is now. It's going to be the best day of my life, I think. Fair enough. I actually think it's going to be the best day of my life. Even even more than on the first day I met Michelle. Uh, let's say that's the best day. But after that, Oh, it's I, a I, lot of pressure to put on one day. Well, World Cups that Australia's won. We won five World Cups. Every single one of them has felt like the best days. But this is why up don't to... you? But but why don't you wait for it before you before you claim it to be the the best day of your entire <laughs> life? Like maybe wait, you know, just just hold off on the proclamation until you know afterwards, maybe. Michelle was already telling me that I, I I kept repeating the news to her, and she said, "You're on repeat mode." I said, "I'm just so happy I can't help it," because I announced it the next day with the same enthusiasm as the first day. And she's like, "Dave, you've already had we've had this conversation." And I'm like, "Yeah, but I'm I'm on the publicity tour now." Um, I just couldn't be happier. I just I honestly couldn't be happier. I mean, is there anything like in your life that this kind of things happen and you're just like beyond? You know what I mean? Just the announcement of a pop culture event. Has anything ever re- in any genre? It could be music, a band you've seen. Is Bob Dylan concerts put me at this level too? Is there something that you have, Rich, in your life? Um, you know, I can tell you what killed it was oh, the Green Lantern movie. Sure. Well, ever yeah, since then, I've never been excited about any announcement. Okay, but before that, what was there something? Like, you know, was there like a band you saw or a movie that came out or they announced a sequel to something you loved and you were like so on board? Because you were very high on Green Lantern before that movie, I remember. You know. Well, I mean, when they announced the, obviously the Star Wars prequels, that was yeah. huge. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. no one ever thought they would get Star Wars again. And I mean, sure. uh, even though they were a bit of a disappointment, they didn't kill my enthusiasm for things like the Green Lantern movie did. No, no. I mean, the Green Lantern, ironically starring Ryan Reynolds, um, it was just a real misfire, wasn't it? Like, I just think it was one of those unfortunate things. Um, It was almost like they didn't have... What would you... If you had to... You're the Green Lantern fan. What what do you think the the real problems with it were? The biggest problem was that they tried to have it all in one movie. Yeah. So they tried to have it on Earth. Yes. With uh, Hector Hammond. Yeah, that's but right. then they also tried to have it big in space with parallax, yeah, and and yeah. and him being trained by being trained by the Green Lantern Corps, and you you needed to pick a direction. Yeah. So uh, Hector Hammond could have been the villain of the movie, and by the end of that movie, used to the Green, you know, so it kind of ends, and then maybe you have your credit scene where. All of a sudden, three lanterns appear and say, "Come with us." Yeah, you know what I mean. Like yeah. you've been summoned or some shit, and be like, "Oh shit, that's for the second movie." Or once he gets the ring, he gets whisked off to Oa for training, and something happens, like parallax attacks, yeah, or something, and he ends up, you know, a rookie being the hero, kind of thing, and all that. So, but you had to pick one. You, the, yes. the, they tried to cram. They 
they try to have too much origin in the first movie. Yeah, I agree. And uh, am I right in saying, was Mark Strong Sinestro, or am I misremembering yeah, that? Yeah, and that's such a shame because that was really good casting. It was great casting. That um, was yeah. absolute wasted casting. I almost didn't think that it was a casting problem either. Like, Ryan Reynolds was an unusual pick for Hal Jordan, but and Mark Strong was a really I, good pick. But I don't have a problem with Ryan Reynolds being chosen for Hal Jordan. My mm. problem is that Ryan Reynolds showed up to play Hal Jordan. Yeah, he did play a very like, sort of. I don't. I don't have a problem with his look, right? He's a handsome guy, you know. He's, he's got a physique and all that sort of stuff. The problem is, is that he was just playing Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, you know what I mean. And Hal Jordan's not Ryan Reynolds. They're not. It's it's not the same character. No, no. Yeah, it, that movie had a lot of lot of issues, but there was something about it that just, if you recall, even when. The trailers were coming out. I remember we were both nervous. You know, like oh not, yeah. yeah, every every time a trailer came out, I just like was uh, more trepidatious and more trepidatious mm. with every fucking trailer that came. Like out. by the time I saw the movie, I wasn't, and I did see it in cinemas. I'm, I probably saw it with you, but I wasn't surprised that it was such a sort of damp squib of a movie because I just felt the tone of it. I would have been more surprised if it had been really good. You know what I mean? Oh god, yeah, yeah. After those trailers, if I'd gone there and it was like, uh, and it was brilliant, Jesus, man, I might have, that would have blown my world. Like, yeah, that would have been like, oh my god, never judge a book by its. But do you think, <laughs> like, uh, even with that though, like, we're so we a lot has a lot of water's gone under the bridge since then in terms of superhero movies. Uh, like, I, I, I definitely think they could try again. You know, like, I don't think that there's anything that inherently wrong with the concept they couldn't try Green Lantern again or maybe bring him in to a Superman movie or something first and then have a solo um, movie. You know? Again, it's, so here's the thing. It's too late uh, for me, um, so I don't give a shit because it will never be Hal Jordan. So from this point on, mm. I will never ever see Hal Jordan in a in a live-action movie or anything ever again. It's gone. It's done. Really? Uh, that was my one only chance because... Um, any Green Lantern shit going forward from today will be John Stewart. It'll be Jessica Cruz. It'll be black lesbian in space, whatever her name is. It'll be Hispanic um, uh, Lantern chick, kid, teen, whatever the fuck she's called. Right. It'll be, even be Simon Baz, but it will never be Hell Jordan. Hell Jordan's done. Think? Really? No, 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 no. They, no, no. They've, they've, just they've created, they've created too many non-white lanterns in the last um, 10 years to... Um, to but make you could still change. enjoy the franchise without that, couldn't you? Because there's such a lore and so many cool characters in the Green Lantern sort of mythos. Mm, but I don't care about those other characters. I find them boring. Uh, John Stewart is fucking boring as no, fuck. No, I mean all the other lanterns from all the other worlds and stuff. Uh, you know? No, but it's not going to be about them. That's the problem. They'll just be the background characters, which is cool. I like those characters, but I'm not interested in the hero's journey of those other uh. Green Lanterns as the main character, I, I just couldn't give a shit. Mm. It's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I, as I said, I, if you give me a guy one, I'm on board because guy's entertaining. Mm. At least I'd be like, yes, I can enjoy him as the main character. Um, but if it's, as I said, if it's if it's John Stewart, if it's Jessica Cruz, if it's Simon Baz, if it's 
I didn't even know. Far Sector, Lantern, whatever the hell. Yeah, name. I know. There's a lot, a lot of... And I'm waiting... By the way, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Asian Lantern. It's coming. I'm sure there will be... But I don't mind yeah. that. Like, you know, like, it's okay if there's one sort of thing. Although, no, it, ru- it is no, a lot you're of... you're ruining the character, stuff. man. This isn't... This isn't a franchise where everybody, race, gender... Yeah. Whatever gets to have a ring. That you're diluting... That's what I've said. My biggest issue with comics is how they dilute their, their properties, their franchises. I will say this, just from a kind of geek perspective, I, I've, I mean, I'm sure they've explained why Earth has like a fucking eight lanterns. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, Every but... writer's come up with a fucking reason why. Earth yeah. Is no, and I... now Earth has got even double that one when they first created that. I did have a, uh, like a sort of pitch, and I'm going to mention this to Elliot Vesmag, and I thought. Just, just, just the Green Lantern in itself. Forget who is the is the you know one. I like the power and all that, and I think it's a cool visual. Uh, what about in a Superman movie? If they reboot Superman, let's just let's just assume that DC finally gets its eggs, you know, eggs in order or whatever, ducks in order, and and then says, um, okay, we're going to reboot Superman. What about doing kind of like a storyline about Krypton and everything? You know, like you know, we've all been there. We all know we <laughs> we, we we know the basic thrust of the krypton exploding Jorah going to suck council why about bringing in like tomar ray as the green lantern for krypton and him having like a little story so i'm not saying he's dominant in the movie but there's a green lantern in in the mix in a superman movie like that and someone who's not um humanoid but is a green lantern has the powers that a way to sort of reintroduce the Green Lantern thing. Just like in the Justice League movie, you did see a Green Lantern construct. Unfortunately, he didn't get, an, you know, enough time. But to sort of bring in that, and, you know, I really like that storyline with the Tomar Ray, um, I believe it was Tomar Ray, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich, um, was was doing something with Krypton. He was the Green Lantern of Krypton, and he got called away, and he couldn't uh, avoid the destruction of Krypton, blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying you have to adapt it beat for beat, but that concept and that way uh, the the audience can be reintroduced to Green Lanterns out in space. Do you like that idea? I don't know. Sometimes I feel you want too much in a movie. Well, I'm just trying to put ideas out there, man. Like, comics are awesome because obviously you can take a whole year to tell a story and you can add as much detail and backstory. Well, it was a 10-page comic, man. It was a 10-pager in a fucking one issue. It was like, you know. Yeah, but my point is I just don't like... Yeah, in a comic, it's fine. I just don't think I that's necessary in a Superman movie. That's all. Like, I just don't think. But I'm putting I, it out I there mean, as the green for the Green Lantern fans as a way to. I, I'm looking at ways for them. I mean, yes, the Green Lantern was a, left a real stink with the general audience, but years have gone by. So I thought if you softly reintroduced it into a Superman movie, um, I, I've said this before to you that I don't know why Superman couldn't team up with a Green Lantern in space. As you know, I think it's a good idea. Like Superman flies around in space. Um, it's, I'm just looking at a way to reintroduce the Green Lantern franchise before they do a movie. Uh, uh, you know, Green Lantern. He he's introduced somewhere else, sort of like how Marvel do it. Um, I think it's a decent idea, um, and you don't have to have the whole Justice League there. It could you could have a Green Lantern be involved in the story and then Tomo Ray kind of gets killed off or he doesn't achieve what he has to do, but at least the Green Lantern's been there. So the, so the mainstream audience, you know, the mainstream, you know, kind of non-comic book 
audience is like, oh, cool, that Green Lantern was actually cool, and it wasn't like Ryan Reynolds was some weird alien Green Lantern, but he did some cool constructs and did some cool shit, and it was tying into a bigger movie. I just think that that's a way to sort of almost advertise the the franchise. I, that's that's how I'm thinking of it, man. I'm thinking of it more from a sort of like almost an advertisement for the franchise inside another movie. I mean, Marvel do it all the time. So wh- why not do that? And you don't have to bring in every man and his dog. You don't need Batman. You don't need Wonder Woman. You don't need Flash. It could be more of a, a, a sort of like a, a cameo almost, you know, a little side story. That's, you know, I, these movies have got a lot of minutes, man. They've got a lot of, lot of, lot of fucking screen time. You could, you could do it. Would that appeal to you as a Green Lantern fan? I know you're kind of a lapse fan. I know you've been burnt. But to bring in like a Tomar Ray or, or one of those Green Lanterns who's very clearly alien, you know? No, it wouldn't do anything for me. Oh, Jesus. Well, then I think you're going to be miserable regardless, Rich. I'm, I'm trying to come up with ideas that I think would, you know... What, what would be so bad about having Tomar Ray in a Superman movie? What, what what's bad about that idea? So that the first introduction to a Green Lantern for new audiences is a failure. Who what? didn't save Krypton? Who let it explode? Yeah, but you could he that could have a little story. Yeah, but he could have to... a little story. You know where he does. I don't think, you know. Again, I don't. I don't think it's necessary. But that's just me. Okay. All right. Well, so what would you? You're sort of you're with Green Lantern. You're just totally without hope. You just feel that whenever they do eventually reboot it, it will be far sector lantern or whatever. Like, is there enough of an audience to even care about? Like, is there enough of a character there to even do a movie on? Like, when do they care about character, Dave? It's all about skin color or. Yeah, but you've, uh, you've still like got to have a story to wrap it around, a little bit of a story, you know? <laughs> you've got to have, like, for, for, for the movie to. The stuff I'm reading or watching. Yeah. Well. We'll see what happens. I'm watching Lord of the Rings, and that's got fuck all characters in it. <laughs> well, um, well okay. Rings of Power, I should say. Uh, that's got uh, that's got terrible characters with barely any story, and that's that's a whole show <laughs> that they spent billions of dollars on. So you know, <laughs> no, apparently you don't need to have like a really good character with good backstory and all that. I've got a question for you. When we had Steve Englehart on, am I correct in saying did we do the Green Lantern core book? Of his, mm. yeah, yeah. Did he do that for very long, or was it? Yeah, um, yeah. Well, it, uh, the Green Lantern book became the Green Lantern Core, right? Okay, and he still worked on that, and then yeah. So we only yeah, did a little bit of it, didn't we? We, no, would... we touched a fair bit of it, yeah. Okay, cool. Because I, I wouldn't mind going back to reading some of that. You know, maybe finish it off because I thought it was pretty cool um, when we did it. I was just thinking of it the other day for some reason. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I just, I, I know you're so burnt, sort of, like, it's so funny that DC's spamming of Green Lanterns, which I agree is totally excessive, has massively, I think, reduced the impact and interest in the character, weirdly. Like, it's like, it's the, op- it's the exact opposite of what they would have hoped for, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, look, okay, look, um... You know, back in the day, they introduced um, Guy and John, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I grew to like Guy. Yeah. And in fact, it was uh, uh, JM and, and Giffen that um, that actually made me Guy fans. Sure. Um, and and so then, but then when they got rid of that and they had Carl Rayner, I was like, okay, fine. I mean, uh, I'm not a fan, but I still, you know, I collected and I read and, 
and I thought, about, you know, and I, w- I didn't enjoy it as much, you know, because it's almost like, oh, it's Spider-Man with a Green Lantern, basically. You know? Sure. But then when they brought Green Lantern back, and then you have all four lanterns, I was like, oh, man, it's so crowded. It's so cramped, man. I just want Hal Jordan, you know, or Guy. Like, I just want to focus on one character. You know what I mean? I don't want so many characters. But I, I learned to deal with it. And, you know, as I said, Guy's entertaining and all that. I mean, Carl can just fuck off all I care. I don't really give a damn. And John Stewart just doesn't exist to me. He's absolutely fucking boring. Yeah, um, not a fan. But now... When I was just when I was struggling with four, going, oh god, man, even this is too much. Now there's like fucking eight, mm. and I've just got to the point where I'm like, I just I can't, I can't, I just don't care because anytime a Green Lantern fucking shows up, it's barely Hal Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's either John or and it's never Guy Gardner. Yeah, like yeah, Hal sometimes gets a, a, a showing again, especially when they need to kill a Green Lantern. You know? Yeah. Whenever they need to kill a Green Lantern or turn him into a vampire or a zombie, and then give the ring to black canary you know oh then we've got hell yeah come on hell you can never john, it's never john stewart that gets killed in ring no that's always good old hell um <laughs> but you know i it's just got to the point where i just i can't i don't care like i'm yeah. green lantern is not i had fun with it i've collected green lantern for like close to 25 years yeah it's done it's finished i've had my fun i've got my collection yeah we've been on uh, okay Fair enough, man. Um, if there was a movie, would you go see it? He was Hal Jordan, yes. But well, if, if no, but it was John Stewart, no. It was Carl Rayner, no. I'll wait for it. Maybe I'll check it out when it comes out on streaming. Well, but you're going to have to check it out because you, we're going to review not it. paying money to watch it. Although it doesn't feel like uh, th- there was a Green Lantern core show that recently got cancelled on HBO. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not sure if there's anything else. Was Hal the Green Lantern in that animated show they did about 10 years ago? Yes. Yeah. You quite liked that one, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, you, you're not alone. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm nowhere near as passionate as you, but I the spamming of Green Lantern, which is what they've done, they've kind of spammed the Green Lanterns. It, in typical comic book style, just like say you've got one for every occasion kind of thing, but they're all to do with Earth, and for me it's it's overkill. I mean, we had Bendis's crappy Gold Lantern in in Legion, and that was just awful, you know. Um, oh but- yeah, no. As I said, Green Lantern um, has just basically in DC Comics has just become the diversity checklist. I'm sorry, that's that's all that property is now. Yeah, but. Because it's the easiest yeah. property to do it with, you see. It's very hard to do that with Superman. Like, you've got to really come up with... But with Green Lantern, you just give someone a ring. Yeah. Easy peasy, done. Bam, bam, done. There you go, you've got a ring. Is there Green still Lantern, a comic a book? Is there an ongoing comic book for Green Lantern or, or not at the moment? Is there still one? Uh, not at the moment, no. But there was one where Jon Stewart was the main character. Right. Yeah, because just the fact that they don't even have a comic book is is damning in itself, don't you think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there is. I, I know. That, I don't know. The comics are becoming very confusing to um, to follow now because everything seems to be becoming miniseries or cancels. Or, There's a lot of miniseries. You know, cancelled yeah. and then and then relaunched. Like it feels like some uh, DC is kind of almost doing the Marvel thing, uh. where they do something and then they, you know, um, they quote-unquote cancel it after 12 issues but then they start it up again yeah 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 that's what they've done sorry so they had green lantern which was uh john stewart was the main character that stopped after 12 issues 
Then I know there is a Green Lantern Dark Crisis, which could just be a tie-in with Dark Crisis, I think. Yes. It's a number one, but I don't know if it's an ongoing. Mm. Well, it could be a mini as well, I think, you know? Or whatever. But there is no actual, as far as I'm aware, there is no actual ongoing um, a Green Lantern book. Which is so weird when you think about it, Rich, because of like how popular it was with Joe Johns' run. I know we're talking like a decade ago, but there was a period in time where it was right up there with Batman in terms of comic book sales. Maybe it wasn't over him, but it was it was right up there. You know what I mean? Like it was a substantial selling book. Um, there was, you know, companion title of the Green Lantern core book as well. Like it was you know really... Yeah, but you know what's so, so funny to me is everyone always raves about John Stewart on the Justice League cartoon. Mm. But I'm like, but he was boring in that as well because he's just your <laughs> typical, like, by the book. He was a marine fucking, and stuff. Yeah, and he's just like, you know, follow orders. Yeah, yeah. But he was boring. I don't understand why people are like, that's my John Stewart's awesome in the cartoon. I'm like, no, he wasn't. He was boring. Yeah, I think what they mean is, like, the cartoon was very popular and he was, you know, he had a fair bit of story time, if you recall. He did He did have a fair bit of um, uh, of airtime. But you're right, he was, yeah, reasonably dull, actually, <laughs> if, if we're being honest, you know. Because the thing is, the reason that Hal Jordan and Guy got best, they bring the most personality to the team. Yeah. So Hal Jordan, one, he's good friends with Green Arrow. He's good friends with Flash, yeah. Wally, and Barry. Um, he he can be at odds with Batman, you know, because yeah. Batman's the planner. Hal Jordan's like, I'll wing it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I'll figure yeah. it out sort of as we go kind of thing and all that. And same with Guy Gardner. You know, Guy Gardner's that person that just is belligerent. He yeah. thinks he's the best. He's got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. And there's always something between him and Batman. Oof. You know, yeah. and Superman. I got can't stand Superman because he feels like Superman. It, everything's too easy for him. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know because he's oh, Guy Gardner's got a ton of character. Yeah. Like, so my point is, yeah. to me, that's if you're doing a Justice League, that's the only two you can have because the moment you get Kyle or John, mm. it's boring. Mm. Yeah. No, I hear you. And uh, look, I liked Kyle at the time. But you are right. It was Peter Parker with a ring. It was. I mean, I I yeah. enjoy I enjoyed it, but I I would, you know, like, definitely. I did, okay. To be fair, I didn't actually mind Carl. What actually made me a bit of a fan of Carl was not his own book. It mm. was um, uh, Morrison when he uh, did the Justice League. Yeah. And the reason for that is because Morrison looked at well, you know, Green Air, uh, um, uh, Green Lantern, and Flash have always had that relationship. Yeah. So here's these two legacy characters who don't have that relationship. Yeah. How do they interact with each other knowing that they are both carrying on a legacy for two people that were like the best of friends? Yeah. And it was very interesting to see these two younger guys who are, they're not the experienced, you know, they still the newbies, although Kyle more so than Flash, yeah. uh, than Wally. And so, you know, and, and then Wally ribs him. And that was actually made me a fan because I, I liked how he fit in any relationship with Wally. Yeah, for the, sure. The young kind of, but I never liked Carl in his own book. I found it very boring in his own book. And but again, that's more Mo Morrison did a fantastic job yeah. of uh, he knew he knew okay, I've got a team, so people need to fit this particular role. Personalities have to, you know. And, and Carl was very much the rookie in the Morrison JLA. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. And so uh, that was fine. But I'm sorry, but 
John Stewart is just utterly boring. Oh no, I I one thousand percent agree with you. I, I found John Stewart uh, when when I was reading the Kyle Rayner book, which I hopped on reasonably early. I think I've told the story at a show. I was at a party, and I sort of said to a guy, "I'm a bit burnt out on Batman, um, but I do want to read other characters." He said, "You should try Green Lantern," and I did, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but it was right place, right time. You know what I mean? Like, but um, I forgot what I was saying to be honest. But it wasn't that. It wasn't that interesting. Well, we were just saying how John Stewart was the most. Oh yeah, character. so John Stewart was in it, and he was the architect, but he was crippled at the time. And and I was always like, who is it? I mean, I honestly, hand on heart, did not know who he was. You know what I mean? Like, I had not read those classic issues at that point where John Stewart's like, you know, you know, I've read them since where he's Denny O'Neill, I think, is the creator, isn't he? Where he pops in and he's like super political and stuff, like you know, angry black man, and then then he has the big. Um, whatever you call it, he made some big mistake in the eighties and a planet died or something. And like, oh my god, we had to hear about that all the time. And I was like, who is? I I honestly didn't know who this overly serious architect in a wheelchair was. He only had a few scenes, and then by the time the the cartoon was on, I was aware who he was. But I was always like, man, like I wish they had a more interesting Green Lantern. <laughs> why why do we pick mm. this guy? And, well, you know, the biggest problem with John Stewart, in my opinion, is that he wasn't created out of um, a good idea. I feel like John Stewart was created to be a mouthpiece for political. He was hundred percent back in the um, day, back in the sixties or seventies. Yeah, it was you know the whole like oh black and all, and I'm like that. Yeah, that that's good for like a story. Yeah. Or a few issues, or maybe a year. Yeah. But it's not good long term for a character because you haven't. The character wasn't created out of a, a need or a necessity or a or a a, a good story. Mm. He was created because you wanted to say something political, and you needed a black character so that you could say these political things. And then that's all he was. He was a tool, not a character. Yeah. And 100%. and that's why he's been boring forever and ever and ever because Guy was created. Out of entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> when was I mean? God created? Was, God was way back in the day too, wasn't he? I thought he was like 80s, but he's oh, yeah, yeah. way so, back. So Guy was created to, um, um, uh, for, for basically a story, right? Yeah. Where he was like the backup and, you know, he was uh, very similar to Hal, you know, uh, uh, rougher upbringing, but, you know, he was a teacher and he yeah. cared about kids and blah, blah, blah. And then... Then they came up with a contrived thing about, you know, he in a coma or something like that. Because, again, he was just for a story. Yeah. It wasn't, like, meant to go. But then later on, another writer said, oh, I can use this stuff. And then um, yeah. then they started making him more aggressive, mm. uh, more chip in his shoulder. And then, obviously, Jay McGiffin, like, took that up to 11. Yeah. Um, and it just went from there. Mm. Yeah, but it was way back in the sixties, I believe, late sixties. I think Guy Gardner, like he, it is early on. Oh yeah, uh, the the early versions of Guy, yes, not the not the guy that you're thinking of now, not the yeah, not the eighties guy, not the eighties nineties guy. The sixties guy is very different um, to like the guy that you know now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wonder if they have. I, I mean, let's face it. So. It, it, I think Steve Englehart said to us, it's not like DC is a group mind. 
different people who come and go, who occupy the deck chairs, you know, make these decisions over the decades. So it's 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 unfair to tarnish the whole company or all the. It's not like everyone agreed all at once, all across the decades on these things. But I do wonder if they have strategy meetings, and surely they must every now and then with Green Lantern, for example, and say, fuck, we, you know, our attempts to try to spam the character to every sort of diverse sort of fan, you know, fan there is, have failed in a, in a lot of ways. Like, you know, yeah, you could you, you could argue that League of Super Pets, they have the whatever she is, the Hispanic Green Lantern or whatever, five seconds. Not really, she doesn't really do any heavy lifting, but at least they got her out there into it. But in terms of their comics, it's completely failed. Their comic, if, if you're just a, if you're just a comic book editor, you're you're you really are struggling to justify your existence if you're the one responsible for the changes in Green Lantern in the last ten years. Like it's been a complete and utter failure. Um, you yeah, could, but you know, I mean, but 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 what annoys me about that is she, you didn't have to use her mm. because the whole joke is that it was Chip. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if the squirrel was anxious. Mm. Oh, so we need to have an anxious. No, you didn't have to do that because the joke was that you give them a ring anyway, mm. and they become chip, which is already stupid. But I mean, but it didn't. It didn't beca- that. It, that didn't happen until like the end credits kind of thing. Like yeah, the, but my oh. point is, it doesn't. You could have used any lantern. You could have still used hell for that. I know, but like, they wanted. To, well, I think that was the fan service band that they gave the anxious squirrel to the anxious green lantern. I think that was just a little bit of you know, tip of the hat kind of thing, style. Like, I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying I think that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, but Ace isn't like Batman in the cartoon. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 that's I, my point. Yeah. That's my, the, the point is the pets don't have to be exactly like the character. Like, it's, I know, but I know. But but in the... I, I agree with you. Of course I do. But, I, but I'm like, I'm just saying that, like, if you, like, put yourself in the, in the editor's shoes because at some point, Someone in corporates looked at the numbers and got Green Lantern selling like not even twenty thousand copies a, a month. Like it, I wouldn't surprise me if it was that bad. And yeah, they haul up the people responsible. And unless I mean, they'll definitely be falling over themselves to say, "Well, we created this one who's in the movie now. Everyone loves her." Like, of course, they'll be saying that. You know how they always do that. There's always that puff. But you take away that. If if I said to them, "Forget about League of Super Pets." Tell me what is happening in the comics. Why were they selling a hundred, hundred and fifty thousand in two thousand ten, and why are they selling less than twenty now? What have you done wrong? Oh, we've created all these different lands. Yes, and I'm looking at the sales and everything, and it's just they're all appalling. Like it hasn't worked. So I wonder if they have a meeting where they well, surely they're going to have a meeting where they say, "Look, we've what we tried. We tried. Okay, it failed." Um, almost to a point where you've got to go back to basics and whoever that would be and build it around one or two rather than having eight or it feels like eight servicing Earth. Too many servicing Earth, you know, and mm. it's confusing for readers. Like, it's it, it, it's just, it becomes harder and harder to care. Like, I'm I'm not, I, I have no racial uh, sort of line that, I, that you know, I, I don't really care what colour the Green Lantern is, but I do want a good story. You know what I mean? Like, and if Kyle Rayner had been Hispanic back in the 90s, that would not have stopped me reading Kyle Rayner comics. It was the, I, I enjoyed the comics themselves. You know what I'm saying? I, I think 
sometimes when you spam something, there's only a certain amount of readership there anyway. It, it At its peak, it, it, it was like two titles. It's not at its peak. So you give too many characters and there's not enough books to sort of like encompass them. I just feel that like, as you say, they've diluted it and I think they've also confused the audience. And then the audience, once they become confused, and this has happened to me, you start to disassociate from it and you get distance from it and you don't care. That's what happened to me with Batman with Tom King. You know how much I love Batman. That's not up for debate. You know, like it's not... It's not a. It doesn't. I don't have to look deep into my soul. I love Batman, but when I wasn't that hot on Snyder for the last half, and then Tom King, and then I got to a point where I was like, I really aren't enjoying this, and then you stop reading, and then you're hearing they're doing all this crazy shit, and you just you don't care. You're just like, well, it's not even my my, my Batman. So what do I care? So I won't support the title. I don't buy the title. I don't read the title. I don't review the title. And I think that's what happens to the Green Lantern fans. They become disassociated from, from the product because the direction has kind of faltered and slumped. And, it do, and you know, that's not to say they can't refresh the, the book and the character. I'm already reading Batman again now. I think that the current writer Zadarsky is doing a decent job. I'm not saying it's the fucking greatest thing of all time, but, like, it's, it's decent. And it's got me back in again. Like, you can rehabilitate a character. I think they need to do that with the Green Lantern. I, I really do. I think they need to say we've got way too much kind of trash, uh, too many Greenlands, too many stories that are just going everywhere, not enough readers. We need to kind of do a pretty hard reset. That's what I think they need to do, Rich. And, you know, that if I was the manager there, that's what I would be saying. I'd be saying, stop t- telling me, I don't want to hear about the Muslim Green Lantern. Please stop talking about him. He, he hasn't had any impact since you introduced him 10 years ago, other than being the Muslim Green Lantern. It's the only thing he's got going for I don't want to hear about him. Um, pick a character and stick with the character and give he or her, because I don't really care who it is, some good stories. Because I don't think these characters are so interesting without good stories. Like, I don't think there's enough character... I've read plenty of storylines with the anxious Green Lantern. It feels like her being anxious is the only thing she's actually got going on in her life at all. You know? Um, would you agree, Rich? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm just saying. Like, I, I actually have read probably 20 issues with her in it, and every single one, she's been anxious, and that's about all I can take away from her, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's it. She's That's her only real trait, honestly. I mean, she's got no real actual character. And, and, and like, honestly, if you had... And I will say this in Ron Marx's defense. If you had a character like that character in his hands back then and had her anxiety being being a, a trait she has and something you could deal with in the book at times as like a subplot, that's fine. Like I'm not against the idea of it, but the problem is they've just gone, let's just go all in 100,000% on that and that's all there is. And it's like that is just so limiting to your story. You are you you are targeting such a specific, not just fan base but readership. Like so many people, do you know what I mean? It, like if you if you gave her that as like a personality glitch or whatever you want to call it, and it becomes part of a story, fine, but not the whole thing. You know, it just it's not enough to sustain a book month after month after month. Like these people have to have to punch out a book. Every month, she's got to be fighting aliens. She's got to be doing all sorts of other shit. 
um, there's got to be more to it than just she has anxiety, you know? Uh, look, you know, I, I sometimes wish that I, 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 I really could, you know, turn a couple of things around. And I, it, it amazes me because I don't actually think it's that hard. I, I think at times it, you, you have to look at it and go, we made a mess. And let's not almost, let's do a soft reboot. But part of that is just wiping away a lot of the mess, like before you even begin, you know, getting a lot of players off the board, like out of your book. We don't need them. We don't need them. We don't need them. Occasionally, as the book runs on, you could bring one or two in for, for an arc or something. But you, I really believe a key to a lot of reboots is keep it simple, you know, um, and go back. Yeah, to, well, back I, to I just wish they would kill off some of this. Well, yeah, uh, some of them could die, and I don't think it would affect sales in the slightest other than maybe slightly increase them, you know? If you've got characters that are incredibly, really, unpopular outside of 20 people on Twitter, they don't need to be in the book, whether they're just living in off-panel land, doing off-panel land things that never interfere with your book, or they're actually dead, you just ignore them, you know? You don't need... Because there's no way a 20-page comic could encapsulate just the Green Lanterns from Earth every month. It would be impossible, you know? Because it's not like, from what I'm aware, they're all a big super team all fighting together all the time, you know? And, and if they were, it would be massively redundant because they've all got the same powers. So yeah, well, yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like at least when you're writing Justice League, which is a balancing act, and, and I have, all, I have, as a writer myself, I have so much respect for people who can write group books well because I, I understand how much of a challenge that would be inside a monthly comic. It really would mm. be, and there's several different ways to do it, but to do it well, however you do it, it is a challenge, and. I have a lot of respect for people who can just do it well. They don't even need to be the best comics. Just just doing it well, I think, is a real skill in itself. But at least in those group books, the way they design the books is they have different power sets, you know? Whereas if you have all fucking seven lanterns of Earth, you know, bouncing around together month after month, it's like, why do we have so many? <laughs> like... How how many people need to use their willpower to do constructs in every issue? You know. Yeah, well, that's what. Yeah, well, that's what I said. The, the Green Lantern is the easy one where they go like, "Oh, we can, we can have so many different ones." Mm. Well, I think we've covered it, but we're we're kind of on the same page, Rich. I I've just kind of look. You're a bit more. You're fully burnt out, whereas I'm. You know, I have the advantage that I haven't been reading it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really care. Like, since Jeff Johns left, I've barely read Greenland, to be honest. And I read most of his run, and I just, I, I just felt honestly, I honestly felt nothing could top it. And I think I've been well, proof. Nothing has so far. Yeah, the 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 most enjoyable Green Lantern since uh, his run was the one we did on the show that had Zod in it. I thought I thought that was very readable. You know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was Venditti's second go at Greenland because his first go was not great. Yeah, well, I, I thought that that was a very readable comic. You know, good 7 out of 10, solid, you know, fun to read. Now, um, we have some Blade news. Basim Tar- Tariq, T-A-R-I-Q, has exited his role of Marvel Studios' Blade uh, less than two months ahead of production. 
Now, we did have some notes. Jeff Snyder, a noted industry insider, I know he worked for Collider for a long time, recently tweeted that he'd been told the current Blade script is roughly 90 pages and features exactly two lacklustre action scenes. Marcella, uh, who's playing Marcella Ali, I'm, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce his name, but is said to be very frustrated with the process. Now, I was super critical to Adam the Computer of what they're doing with Blade, and I almost feel like they should have brought Wesley back. I I have real concerns, Rich. I can't believe they've, if they've bungled Blade. With the director leaving less than two months before it starts shooting, what's your reaction, man? Well, I mean, this is the this is Disney's biggest problem, especially when it comes to its Marvel and Star Wars stuff. Is I feel like they've they announce stuff before they've even got a script. But they've like, got a I, script. I, it's been in pre production for. No, a I year. mean, like, well, clearly not a good script is my point. It sounds like they announced the show. Someone banged out a script, which is pretty lackluster. But they clearly either don't have the time or the money to go through rewrites or something. Um, but. I don't know. I just feel like uh, they announced too many stuff before they've really got it all. Yeah, but uh, you would think two months out before shooting, it'd be pretty locked down by that point. Like, it's rare that, you know, like there might be a little bit of rewriting, but I would have thought they had well, all their ducks all, in a row. Yeah, but, but uh, the, well, I don't know. That's the thing. We don't know. The director could have been doing rewriting. And then he goes, all right, I've got it rewrite. And they said, no, we're sticking with it. Script yeah. and he was like, No, I want changes and what they said. No, 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 for some reason, this is what we're going to okay, well, buy. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, if I can't do the rewrites, if I can't change things, I was under the impression that I could do that sort of shit. Or maybe again, it takes a long time. Um, you know, you, you're getting your, pl- your pieces in place and mm. all that sort of stuff, and then it just all fell apart, or maybe just got an ulcer or something. It's just like, just not fucking... Well, uh, what has this guy He's done? Cool. Like, they're going to they're gonna have to find someone fast. Like, they're going to have to... I mean, they dropped in Peyton Reed to Ant-Man, and that worked out quite well, um, if you recall. Um, you know, like, Peyton Reed on Ant-Man has punched out to... I mean, I'm not personally a fan, but fairly successful Ant-Man movies, and obviously he wasn't the original director there. Um, there have been other movies... I'm just looking at what this guy's done, um, Basim Tariq. I think it's mostly independent stuff. Um, I'm just wondering who the hell's going to come in at this late stage. It, it, I get the feeling like this was his big break too, which is weird that he would leave. Let's have a look at his filmography. Jeez, that, that, maybe, that's a, maybe that's a shit description. There's not a lot of stuff here that this guy's done. So he's directed two movies, one in 2013 and one in 2017, and barely done much. Um and then he's done some short films. He's done one feature film, The Thing on Mowgli. That's what he's done. So he's he's a do- documentary guy. But he did that Mowgli thing. Um, what is it? My oh God, I don't even know what it is. Um, we're trying to find a plot. There's no even details of a plot here. Like, really? Uh, Zed is a British-Pakistani rapper who is based in New York. Before his European tour begins, he's diagnosed with a degenerative autoimmune disease. He returns to see his Pakistani family in London. Jesus. Okay, well, that's that's his one movie that he's directed, okay? And then he had Blade. It seems like a wild step up to be doing a mainstream, you know, movie. And then and then to back out of it as well. My God. It, it must really be in a bad situation. You know, your whole career 
has been leading up to getting into a mainstream movie. You know, it's the first movie that anyone's ever heard of, really, mainstream that you've done, and you exit it two months before? That tells me there's some serious problems, don't you think, Rich? Yeah, well, <coughs> maybe he found out that the reason he got the job is because they wanted someone inexperienced that they could boss around. Well, I'm sure that's part of it, and cheap, want, uh, and cheap, too. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Well, as I said, the problem is, is like, it, it's all speculative, and I mean... Who know? I mean, who knows? Who knows? I mean, maybe well, someone could would... find out. Like it's you know, it's speculation, but well, it's events that have happened. You know, we're, well, we're... that's the thing. Unless the actual people involved, like as in him, emails, the person that he was dealing with, unless they release something or say something, everything else is hearsay. Even other people. What about hacking? Yeah. What about hackers getting involved in the emails, the texts, that kind of stuff? You know, if 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 you had guys getting involved at that level. Okay, sorry. Maybe I should have been more specific. There's no legal way to know unless they come out, Dave. Yeah, I, I, sorry, I, I didn't take into consideration fantasy land where we just ask a hacker to just do it so we can get the, we can get in the nitty gritty. I would love it. You, you, do you realize that I would love that kind of stuff? I yeah, but the the stuff there that you're interested in, the hackers don't really give a shit about, Dave. That's not that's not going to get them money. Yeah, but you know, can you imagine if there was like some slush funds and some guys operating? Because the the texts exist, the emails exist. You don't exit a project office without any communication. Like Disney is full of leaks. I, I mean, I want more information on this storyline, and I'm appealing to the to the doomsters out there, the doombots. If you're in the US, if you have access to this kind of stuff, if you know people in the industry, squeeze and squeeze and squeeze and report back. Because there's more to this story than they're telling us, Rich. I feel like I'm on something, a big story here. You know what I mean? Basim Tariq has left the project. You know, two months out. It's a disaster. Um, I'm calling for Wesley brought back. Well, I mean, I don't know how big of a event it is considering I didn't even know the guy's name until <laughs> the article came out. So, <laughs> you trying to downplay my news? Come on, Rich. I, I like to pump the news up. I'm kind you... of downplaying his importance. <laughs> That's not all I'm downplaying. Well, Ray made a good point because I brought it to Ray with, like, you know, full exclamation. And he said, let's face it, no one knows who this guy is. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure they can bring in someone competent who can just follow the lead. You know, what would cause a delay is if they bring in someone like Ron Howard being brought into Solo is the greatest example. He had to come in, recut the movie, reshoot huge portions of it, turn it all around, as opposed to someone coming in and going, okay, we have a script, I can punch it out, I can do a professional job, I can turn in a slightly above average movie. You know what I mean? Like, or will it be someone, I've got my own vision for Blade, we're going to have to you know, delay the movie by a year kind of thing. It's going to... Time is counting down. I mean, the shooting date's less than two months away, so they're going to have to make a decision fast. Do you think there'll be a delay, Rich? A substantial delay? Or do you think they'll just keep going? Uh, they'll, no, they'll, if, if they're supposed to start shooting in two months, they would have to be... I don't know if there'll be a massive delay. Maybe it'd only be like a four-month or a six-month delay minimum, but there definitely has to be a delay. Like, I can't see them going, yep, we'll have someone and start shooting in two months. Yeah. Yeah, the pressure's on. I, I think the original movies cast a long shadow. I think Wesley Snipes cast a very long shadow. And I and I do feel that these movies... Well, I don't know why they're not using Wesley. Black don't crack. I totally agree. 
I, I said it to Adam, the computer, who's a big believer in this Marshall Ali guy, who I've never seen in anything, but apparently was in Green Book and Spotlight, I believe. And um, oh, he was he was the baddie. Detective, I think. Yeah, he was the baddie in Luke Cage, where he was actually good. And I was like, okay, that's something I know at least. But I said, put Marshall Ali in, in a ring with Wesley Snipes in a knife fight. I'm giving it to Wesley all day, every day. You know? At his mm. at his current age, Wesley Snipes could still beat the shit out of this guy. I, I firmly believe that. I've seen Wesley recently. He's, he's very spry. He's very spry. Mm. He's 60, probably. He still looks like he could kick this guy. Oh, well, ass. I mean, he was, still, he was still great in Expendables 3. Yeah. When they finally got him in that, and he was still... I was just like, man, he doesn't look like he's aged. Like... He looks younger than Stallone and uh, yeah. Arnie. Yeah, you know what I mean by like a considerable margin. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I agree with you. I think they made a mistake in not including Wesley in the project. I think they made probably made another mistake with a poor script and losing a director. And it's all looking bad for Blade. And it's such a shame because well, I so think hard. their biggest problem was instead of making Blade a uh, reboot, it should have been Blade Four. Yeah, exactly. Totally agree. Totally agree. Now we have some. Oh, oh. three, and you pretend the third one didn't happen. <laughs> I, mean, I enjoyed Blade Trinity for what it was. You know, uh, it's not a Blade movie. That's the problem. You mean it's got too many cameos from people? Well, not cameos. It's yeah, the too much of the story is focused on um, Hannibal, uh, Hannibal, and uh, the chick um, yeah, Jessica Biel. Yeah, but I can't remember what her, the character's name is. I'm but not, there's too much focus on the two of them and and less on Blade. Yeah. Sure. Um, huge hot Blade news. Blade 2 is still the best, by the way. Sorry. Blade 2 is excellent. Blade 2 is excellent. Blade 2 is excellent. Now, we have some hot news that has just come across the line minutes before we started recording. Harrison Ford is reportedly the favourite of Marvel Studios to replace um, General Ross, to be recast as General Ross and Red Hulk in Thunderbolts. So recasting, was it William Hurt? Who passed away? Yeah. Saw, I'd forgotten William Hurt died. Um, I mean, William Hurt was probably younger than Harrison now. Uh, William Hurt was probably in his 70s. I mean, Harrison Ford, I'm always available for it. Like, yeah, bring it on. I think it's great casting if they do it. I don't see why you wouldn't do it. What do you think, Rich? I don't know if it is great casting. I would have maybe gone with someone younger. Harrison's like um, 81, I think. Yeah, no, that's my point. I would have gone for maybe someone 50, 60. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I would have gone this old. Um, well, I've heard talk that Harrison Ford was literally going to retire from acting after Indiana Jones, which wouldn't mm. have surprised me. I mean, let's be honest. Like, he's always been fairly kind of disengaged from the publicity and everything. Like, he's never been a. You and, know, and, he's, and he's probably too old to be. The, you know, he's definitely too old to be the action star and the. And yeah. the love interest, so he's probably not interested in being the, the mentor character or the odd character, you yeah, know what I mean? He's like, got so much money. He doesn't want to transition into the uh, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> he doesn't need to as well, either. Like, no, but that's know, what I'm saying. He's, he's just like, I'm done. I'm I'm going out as, as the main character. So what are you thinking, man? Like, you I know, don't think it'll happen. I think, I think it'll, so they'll get someone else in the end. I don't think Harrison's interested. Yeah, that's what that's what surprised me more than anything. Like, um, I don't know. Although if it's heavily CG, maybe like yeah, if I, you know, I don't have to be there that much. It's I'll mainly just my voice. So yeah. fucking, I'll do it. Maybe 
you know, just he might just do that for shits and giggles and be like, whatever, I don't have to like actually do that much acting. Yeah. There's three shots they need my human form and then the rest will just if they go for the Red Hulk, that is obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I hope they do. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree with you, Rich. I think this might be a puff piece written by somebody. I, I'd be almost surprised if Harrison himself is interested in doing it unless it is such a substantial amount of money and really he just has to do a little tiny bit of acting and then the rest of it is, you know, a CGI well, I mean, red hole. The, the funny thing is, since the invention of the internet, there's more false information out there than actual, <laughs> like, information. You know what I mean? Because sure. a lot of the times, a lot of these... Um, claims these articles mm. uh, whatever you want to call it it's just a lot of people's fan casting you yeah. know what i mean yeah. or you know someone they heard someone say man you know someone at the studio said they'd love to get harrison ford and of course they would love to get harrison ford and yeah like, oh, i'm gonna put that down they're considering harrison ford and it's like i'm sure they considered a lot of people but i mean it's it, it, it's all just fan casting it's all speculation um but it's weird because harrison ford just doesn't strike me as the guy that is interested in the marvel that's just my view. Well, of I mean, yeah. of, really, of he over the years. he cares about one franchise, which is actually Indiana Jones. That's the yeah. one that's dearest to his heart by a long way, much more than Star yeah. Wars. I mean, the man doesn't even care about yeah. The man doesn't even care about Star Wars. Literally, the thing that made his career. Oh, you know, he doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. He's had to be dragged back ever since Empire Strikes Back. Um, yeah, but no, also, I, I think they should go for someone younger anyway. I mean, if I this is a character you want to possibly using your disney plus stuff or in other movies i'd probably go for someone you know maybe 50 60 there is it, it just my opinion i could be wrong i think there is no chance harrison would be signing up to roll where he'd have to appear in tv shows and do lots of leg work he's not interested in that kind of stuff you know at this stage in his career he's he's made so much money uh, I just, I could see a one and done where he turns up for a movie like Robert Redford turned up for Winter Soldier. I could see that kind of thing, but there's no way Harrison Ford's going to be one. Actually, you know, it would be really, can I be honest with you, it would be really cool. You know, they always wanted to get Tom Cruise into the Marvel movies. Yeah, yeah. He's, be six, he's 60, I think. Yeah, no, that's a much a mu- better choice. Put, a, better put choice. a mustache on him and boom, you've got, you've yeah. got your Jim Ross and he gets to be a Hulk. Yeah, uh, look, that would be a much... And I love Harrison, so don't get me wrong. If Harrison Ford is, is General Thunderbolt Ross in Thunderbolts, I will love it, you know, because I love Harrison Ford. But in terms of wanting any longevity, someone like Tom Cruise um, is a great choice because, oh, you know... another choice of someone who's kind of dropped off the, the map a little bit, who you don't really see that much anymore, would mm. be George Clooney even. Yeah. Well, he's got a movie out now with Julia Roberts. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, he used to be, you know, I mean, George Clooney at one point was like, oh, it's George Clooney, Ocean's movies, mm. you know, and then he kind of just disappeared and then, like, he knocks out one movie every, like, four years or something like that sometimes. I so, think he does a lot of producing now more than acting, okay. but, yeah, you're right. But I'm yeah. saying, again, another good choice. Guy in his 60s, I think he's 60, 61, something like that. Yeah, no, decent choice. Um, I think Tom Cruise would be great. I really do. We watched Maverick again just the other day. Like, very enjoyable. I, probably slightly overpraised by some people, but I, I, I do love it. It's a good movie. Like, it's... Uh, you know what? You know. I, I was actually having this discussion with a, a, another friend the other day, and mm. I think the reason that it is, like... Um, it is overhyped in a sense, right? Or overpraised, as you want to say. But I think the reason for that is, is just because it just gives you what you want. 
it's a movie that's supposed to entertainment. Um, it's a movie that's supposed to feel like Top Gun. Yeah, yeah. Right? They haven't gone, oh, how do we modernize this? How do we make this for the 20th you know, like yeah. 21st century? How do we like get rid of the sexes? Like, it's none of that bullshit. It's just like, hey, we want to make a movie that feels like Top Gun. Yeah. And that's all they did. And that's why people are like, oh my God, it's, it feels like the original. It just, it's, it feels like a Top Gun movie, which is what it's supposed to be. And, and that's why I think people that it's gotten, overpraised although the praise is warranted yes it's just that it's just a breath of fresh air where some a movie is just what it's supposed to be i i i'm gonna say this i think it's a tribute to the genius of tom cruise in knowing a market knowing what he wanted to do working with the right people not veering off script getting it done and hitting the beats and, you know, he knew it could be done. He had faith in this project. He wanted it in the big screen. And believe you me, I guarantee you he was pouring over the scripts, you know? And he had the right people working on it, and it really, it was it ticked the boxes and didn't just tick them in that really kind of like, you know, f- yes, there was a formula, but it, it, it did it well. You know what I mean? Like, it had the same feel, and my God, that would be hard to recreate. That movie, dude, that's like a childhood seminal movie of so many people back in the mid-'80s. The mid-'80s was a long damn time ago, you know, to actually do it. And I think what else, again, you talk about how genius Tom Cruise is. Like, he said that they were going to not shoot that movie, they were not going to make the movie if he couldn't do everything practical. Well, yeah. And I think that's another thing that, that, again, makes the movie feel good. Like when you're oh, watching yeah. it, it doesn't feel fake. It doesn't feel CG. It doesn't feel like these overproduced shit and all that. Like everything was done practical. You know what I mean? And that movie achieved. Miles Teller was the first time I've watched him in a movie and not disliked him. I you know? agree. I completely 100% yeah. agree with you. Like, I, they finally I'm not got a fan of him either, but I, love, I actually enjoy him. I enjoy yeah. him in this movie. Totally. Right. Like, I was on the fence or not a fan at all, and I watched this movie. I genuinely thought he was likable and did a good job, and I didn't – It. I wasn't overwhelmed by his presence of to dislike him, and th- that movie just did so many things well. And professionally, and I think I've been thinking about it a bit recently. I, I one thing I think a lot of the modern mainstream movies, and this certainly includes the superhero movies because they're the dominant one, they lack story and they lack character beats. They don't let anything breathe. You know, that mm. movie did. It's actually not complicated complicated story at all. It's old fashioned almost, in a good way, in that it lets the movie breathe and without being like a three-hour slog, you know? It, it has points, it hits. Uh, even Val Kilmer's appearance was very effective. You know, we, when, we, when we re-watched it just recently, I was like, man, that's actually done really well. And it wasn't just Val Kilmer on a wall, which is what I thought it was going to be, you know? he He's in the movie, you know? Well, that's my point. I mean, even... Uh, practical the movie feels authentic like yeah. everything about that movie like as you say the pacing the breathing of story the use of characters um and and, and use of like the practical effects and all that it just feels the movie feels genuine it yeah. feels like it a genuine no it definitely deserves its praise i mean dude i'm giving it i i, I gave it 9.5 i think and mm. I, I i stick by it i'm just like yeah I, like it's a classic you know 
And that's hard to do when you're following a really big classic from decades ago and you've got the same lead. I can't think of too many people other than Tom Cruise that could have done that, you know? To to take something from what was... I mean, he was white hot in, like, 1986 or whenever that movie came out. Uh, that was a long time ago, dude. I was a child. Watched it, loved it, have seen it probably five other times in my life, you know? Probably caught it 10 years ago on, on DVD when I got it, or Blu-ray, and thought, it's fantastic still. Came in to rewatch, well, not rewatch, just watch this one, and I'm like, my God, they stuck the landing. Um, and it's it's rare, you know, it's so rare. In, in this age, too, where they tried it with 90s movies, which are obviously a bit closer, where they, oh, you know what, we're going to re- redo Independence Day, and they just do it so poorly that you wish they hadn't even tried. You know, <laughs> like you, you're just like you're not destroying the original, but it's just such a bad well, effort. Yeah, you know? that's exactly what, the, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, look at the sequels that they've made years later for so many stuff. It doesn't feel like mm. the original. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like it fits. It feels whereas, like a cash grab is all it feels yeah, like. Yeah, whereas Maverick does. Maverick feels yeah. like it fits. It feels natural. Feels like a progression. It feels like it lives in that same world, even though there is like a thirty-year difference. Yeah. Other movies, whether it be Zoolander Two, Bill and Ted, they An- just Anchorman don't. Anchorman Two. Independence An- Day, Anchorman Two. Anchorman so they too. just don't feel. They don't yeah. feel the same. They don't have the same feeling as the original movie, which is why they never recaptured. Yep, totally agree. Now, moving to comics briefly. Hang first. on, uh, I got one more. Yeah. Um. Um. Since I just rewatched Lord of the Rings recently, mm. for for General Ross. Viggo Mortensen. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. Actually, probably the best choice that we've come up with, you know? Great actor. Great mm-hmm. actor. And looks older now, too, than he looked in Lord of the yep, Rings. Yep, yep. Yeah. No, very good choice. Very good choice. I'd be down for that. Now, turning to comic book news for a second, Rich, you'd be interested to know that Robin now has a Robin, uh, a sidekick uh, called Sparrow Rich, uh, which I think is maybe the lamest thing yeah. I've ever heard of. Um, how bad is that? Like, how bad was was that pitch? Like, oh, you know, we're gonna give well, Robin a sidekick. Will, will Sparrow get a, a sidekick at some point? That's what, what I asked. What, what, what will he? What will they be called? Um, I, it might be a she. I think Sparrow as well. Um, I hey, hey, don't assume these days. Hey, <laughs> well, I think it might actually. Be. I haven't read the issue. <laughs> But um, I, I actually wrote that in my comment on the news article. I said, well, but what does Sparrow get? Does she get, like, you know, aphid or, or Nat? That's, that, that's what uh, Michelle said, Nat, G-N-A-T. Oh, so, I, so I'm just having a look, like, the smallest birds. So <laughs> hummingbird would be. So. <laughs> hummingbird, yes! Yeah, hummingbird. <laughs> yes! Please let it happen so we can make fun of it. Please let Sparrow have a sidekick. And then a hummingbird so, yeah, could Robin have a sidekick. have a sidekick and then Sparrow will have a sidekick <laughs> called Hummingbird. I tell you what, if Hummingbird becomes the sidekick of Sparrow, Hummingbird better get her own sidekick as well because it just, <laughs> it just wouldn't. Oh, oh, that'll just be no, no, that'll just be egg. Yeah, I was gonna say they should have a tiny little egg, and it should be this is the whole Robin lineage that traces back to this tiny egg in a nest. Very metaphorical moment for the franchise. It's it's so fucking lame. Can I can I just say that? Like honestly. DC, you should be embarrassed, 
really, you really should be embarrassed of yourselves right now if that's all you've got going on. Someone's gone, we've got it, we got it, Sparrow! And someone should have said, just no, go back to the drawing board because that sucks. Um, it really is sad. Now, yeah. Rings of Power, uh, Rich, turned into Lord of the Rings, the musical at one point when um, one of the fucking, I think, hobbits on that endless walk broke into song. I think it was, I think it was Lenny Henry. I'm not sure, but one of the hobbits uh, broke into song and um, I'm struggling to recall anything that happened in the episode. Um, oh, mate, I've, I've checked out. Like, yeah, I don't I, I, it, it may be on. I may be sitting in front of it, sure, but I have checked out mentally, man. I I'm, blame you. <laughs> I'm I'm completely checked out. Like, yeah, it, it it does have that sort of aura about it, which is just I mean, who cares TV. It, yeah, you talk about the half foot so annoying oh, and the little song and stuff like it's a music video, and then I've got this, and then you've got this horrendous Galadriel teaching. Numenorians had to fight oh, yeah, and yeah. it looked like something out of a Disney movie. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I'm like I I just like I'm like, I can't believe I have to sit here and watch this. No, it's not good. Like it's just it's slow to get to the point. Like I thought we were heading out on boats. No, you know, finally at the end of it we we headed out on a boat at last to fight somebody. Oh this show is so padded. Seriously, I just, yeah, yeah. I just want to point out that so that was because we, we I can't watch it um, the day it comes out because that's obviously it comes out on the Friday, mm. um, and that's when we do the show. So I've watched five episodes, mm. and bet- from episode one to episode five, <laughs> nothing has actually happened. Like the the Elrond and Durin storyline, uh, yeah, has it, crawling. The, the progression that it's had in five <laughs> episodes is ridiculous like that it's all that mithril still, like mithril yeah we're still at the starting point of of that storyline yes we are galadriel uh and the numenorians has been going on for four episodes and that is and the best storyline in the show that's the that's the one that i think mm-hmm. is their one decent storyline about the Numenorians. I, I yeah. think I think that's what they spend a lot of their money to. And and, this, and, and, and the humans with the, the, the orcs and stuff and oh, all that. Yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, like nothing has happened in the four episodes since you fled to the, the tower. Like nothing's happened. Well some of you the fled to left. the tower in episode one. You <laughs> led you fled to the tower in episode one is the episode five and nothing has happened. Yeah. I've got a question. Um, so some of the humans left to go and make a deal with the orcs. That wasn't Sauron. That was just one of his underlings, wasn't it? Like Yeah, that's that Eldor, Andor, whatever the fuck the corrupted uh, elf is called. I don't know. Yeah, th- that's very D&D, like the Dark Elves. You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of any other elves in all of Tolkien's lore or any movie where an elf has actually fallen evil, you know? I, I really, I, I've never yeah, seen well, I mean, it has happened because obviously that's where a lot of the orcs and all that come from. Yeah, but I think that they may have gotten those orcs at the beginning of time, dude. Like, I don't think they... No, but, but no, no. My point is it's in Tolkien's work. It's just that the show must have it because it's in Tolkien's, you know, they... Remember, as I said, this is a lot of memberberry stuff, you know yeah, what I mean? So, I guess, yeah. So a lot of the memberberry stuff is from the movies, but a lot of the memberberry stuff is like, oh, well, Tolkien mentioned it. Oh, well, Tolkien alluded. Oh, well, Tolkien said that uh, they were fallen elves, so we have to have a fallen elf. But, dude, like, it's, it's a very vague mention 
as well. Yeah, like, but it doesn't matter. It's a mention, and so they can run with yeah, it. I guess. <laughs> I, but they're running with it a bit too hardcore because just like mate, the, he, he, Tolkien said that Galadriel was powerful. <laughs> that she's strong and powerful, and they said, "Well, he said strong and powerful, so we're making her a warrior woman." I don't really mind, but I, I, I do wish the acting was a bit better from Gladriel because I, I really, I just can't unsee your comment about the teeth now, you know? Listen, I wish the acting was better from a lot of people in the show. <laughs> uh, the, black... I, I mean, the the elf and the, that female. Um, yeah, uh, the black one, elf. She, she plays it way too stoic. Yeah. Um, you know, and he... I don't think his acting is up to chops. Uh, he, he comes across like a first-time actor, yeah, in my he, opinion. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's um, not great. He's not great. The guy that plays Isildur, um, not great either. Awful, um, awful, actually. Awful, I would describe yeah, him. Um, i tell you who's really bad. The the young kid who's kind of in league with Sauron, with the blade. You know him? Uh, I don't think he's in league. Um, oh, okay. But, but I know the kid. No, no, but I know the kid you're talking about. Yeah, he is also annoying as well. But he's kind of falling um, to the dark side, though, isn't he? You know? Well, I guess, but then he also does show the elf the sword. So, yeah, I guess. Um, you know, they probably wanted you to think that he was, but. There's uh, a big guessing yeah. game of who Sauron is. And the candidates, would you agree? Uh, obviously, well, the dark elf is one candidate. Then there's all the, the guy that everyone thinks it is, is was that sort of like really sort of like almost not albino, but he had kind of white hair, very white features. We saw him in this episode. And the other candidate is the one who's probably Gandalf. You know, they're, they're trying to tease that he could potentially be a bit evil too. I still like my pick of Halderbred, uh, uh, Halberd, whatever his name is. Yes, the guy who's in Numenor. That's um, the thing is, I can't see the Gandalf being Sauron. No, he's, because, not gonna be he's not going to be Sauron. You know, but yeah, because the thing is, he's he's been taught friendship and kindness from the the Harfoot. That's right? just a so, red herring, man. That they're just trying to sort of, you know. No, no, no. I'm not saying that he will be Gandalf. I'm yes. just saying yes. I think he won't the be character. Sauron. Yeah, the character won't be Sauron because one, Sauron should already be fully formed. Mm. Yeah, and good know point. everything. He shouldn't be taught anything. So that leads me to believe it is one of the wizards. Yes. Um. um now. They'll probably go for a wizard. Maybe there's not that much information on because then they can, you know, because the blue wizards don't get much. The blue wizards are mentioned only in the sense that they went into the east. Yeah, but this could be before they go to the east or maybe yes. one in Aduhuna. You know, my yeah. point is they, they make, they're breaking with the law anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it won't be the fallen elf because he already has a name. His name yeah. is Andor, Eldor. His name is Grumpy. <laughs> yeah, so he, he has a name already. Um, the reason I believe that it could be um, Halbred is mm. that they're going to go now fight these orcs, mm. right? And the orcs and the people who've joined the orcs are waiting for their Sauron to return, their mm. king. Mm. And he's a returning king. Yes. Yeah, now, yeah. everyone thinks he could be a returning king for the humans, but he might actually be a returning king for the orcs. So... Uh, that, and that's still my theory, but um, at the end of the day, I don't care. <laughs> no, no. Well, I don't blame you. I mean, it's yeah, it's not. Look, I'm watching it. I I enjoy the new. No matter what it is, it's going to be a cop out. Yeah. Do because you think no character be... is shown to 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 have that? Inc- I don't think it's that whitehead Eminem guy. No. Oh, because that's what that's what uh, that's what people were thinking when they looked at the trailer originally. That was their yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah, that, that's weird. But it seems like that guy's hunting the wizard. Mm, okay. 
Is that what he's doing? Right, I see. I mean, I, he is almost my pick, actually. If, I, if I'm going to have to... My, the two most likely to me are the white-haired guy or the guy you're mentioning, the 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 guy back in Numenor. I think he is potentially, yeah. It wouldn't, it, I wouldn't be stunned if it was him, you know. Yeah, well, as I said, I can't, I just can't. If it's anyone else, then it's a, it's one of those like, oh, we wrote a character one way, but then we just decided to flip it because we're fucking with you and we didn't want you to guess, and yeah, that's but, bullshit. Yeah. Yeah, well, that that classic. We're subverting expectations. Don't subvert my expectations, please. Give me something we actually want. Um, yeah, I don't know. They're gonna have to. I guess th- at the end of it, dude, it's probably gonna end with the reveal of Sauron this season. You know what I mean? Like, cause we all know that it's it's been renewed already for another season, so there's no rush, and they're they're certainly in no rush to get there. Like, fuck. <laughs> Durin and Elrond are, I mean they're just talking about Mithril that's where they're up to in their story it's so fucking fascinating actually no I disagree with you I don't even think Sauron will be revealed in, in the, at the end of this issue I think the really? uh, end of this season because the season's yeah. only eight episodes right yeah I I have a feeling that um, it'll end with them maybe freeing the tower or something, the, the, the watchtower or yeah. or setting up like or, or whatever but I don't I don't think there'll be any reveal about Sauron or anything. There's certainly not. I don't think there's going to be a huge battle. Like the 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 final. There's no way they they would be idiots. The final battle with Sauron to bring him back to Numenor. That's in the in the law. They would be idiots to do that in the first season. You know because no no. no. So when I say a battle, I'm talking about like maybe just freeing the humans at the tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like like a localized elf watch tower. Like that would be the oh finally someone came and they freed us and yeah. then. That elf guy will join with them and 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 stuff, and then from there they'll build something out, uh, which will then build towards a big, big fight between those orcs and the fallen elf, and maybe Sauron being revealed and taken back to Numenor in chains or whatever. Or here's the problem, Dave: is you still thinking that that's where the direction that they're going? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I mean, they they might not do that. I, yeah, I agree. Yeah, they could really stretch it out. Um, we'll see what happens, man. I, I don't know, like. We're watching it. I don't mind it. They've, they've really put a wizard in that isn't really part of it. They've really put the hobbits in, which is not really a part of it. They've really put Galadriel into situations that she was never in mm. in the book. So mm. the the difficulty is you need to almost try and stop and go, you know what, I keep thinking that they have to do this or it has to go this way, when no, they yeah. the way they write the show, they don't have to do anything. They can, they can pretty much go in whatever direction they want. And they kind of are. You know, as um, long as it, as long as what they do leads to Lord of the Rings, mm. doesn't they, they can they can do whatever they want in between that. And true, t- totally true. But I will say this: uh, they're doing it at an extremely slow pace. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's Jesus. dude. At times, it's like reading the Bible or something, where it's like son of Job, son of this, son of like it's just, it's just really. Let's just take things really slow and have a lot of big long shots of, you know, some big, I, I assume, CGI moments and let's really soak it in. And then the, the payoff is like one tiny, I wouldn't even say action, but like a bit of a story moving forward is like the end of the episode where they finally get the boats and they're going. You're like, oh, my fucking God, finally. Like, um, well, that, yeah. that's what I, I, I say. My, what I would have done is each season I would have expanded the um, the characters. So the first season I would have just focused on Galadriel, mm. right? 
introduced Elrond, introduced the king, the elf yeah. king, and all those things. Introduce your characters, but uh, my main focus would have been Galadriel, right? Yeah. Then season two, I would probably expand it to um, uh, uh, Elrond's story. Mm-hmm. Well, again, depending on what their stories are, but I would just go with the Elrond story and then Galadriel, right? Mm-hmm. Still introducing the other elf and the humans, and you know, I'd, I'd still be introducing stuff. But my focus would just be their stories. And then when I get to season three, I'd expand it to like actual three ongoing stories. Yeah. Side by side. Because that way, one, things are moving along. And two, I'm invested now. I mean, I'm a, I've got a season to invest in Galadriel's uh, thing. I've had half a season in season two to invest in Elrond's storyline. And then, you know, a court, because I'm already invested, it's easier for me to get invested in the new person's story or yeah. the new story. But when you start off the first season and there's literally like four, <laughs> four, five storylines going on, yeah. it's almost like I don't care about anyone. And I don't everything's slow. Everything's slow. Yeah. Those but fucking you've hobbits. Got, you've got Galadriel that's supposed to be all pouty for her brother and everyone's turning against her. But I don't care because of. One, I've not spent time with her to actually go through fully her emotions. Yeah. How she feels and, and, and get to feel sympathy with her. I'm supposed to be following the Elrond story and I'm supposed to be feeling for Elrond or for something or Durin. But again, I don't know the, the history and all that. I will say Elrond and Durin are both acted well, you know, at least. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fine. I don't have any issue. Although, again, it's just weird to me that all the dwarfs have to sound Scottish, all the hobbits have to sound Irish, all the... Oh, did you see, I think I sent you the article, there was some article where someone was really going to town about the Irish accents on the uh, hobbits, and they were, like, super offended, and I was like, Jesus, like, why? I mean, you know, they're going with the Irish accent, but since when is the Irish accent offensive, you know? Well, it depends. What you'll probably find is a lot of people tend to do the Irish accent when it's, like uncouth unsophisticated dirty fucking savage you know uh townies is oh, is yes. what you'll find the, the I irish mean, i've got irish heritage and scottish heritage I, I just don't quite understand like what the i mean how many times in these fucking shows do they do uk accents because they enunciate very clearly and all that They're like uk accents are all through fantasy and sci-fi yeah but i i think i've had i don't know if i said this on last week's show or if yeah. i conversation with you i'm not a fan of of this sounding like a british drama show um uh lord of the rings the hobbit it sounds um timeless um it it, it, you know no one has a specific accent yeah um ever i think everyone's just got sort of told lose your accent don't right you know what i mean talk as accent free as possible but pronounce your words properly yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah yeah. And, and it gives it this like timeless where could this be what country could this be what land could this be but when i'm watching this show i just go like oh, it feels like an english show this feels like some fucking english show because all the dwarves sound scottish uh. all the hobbits sound um uh irish yeah do you know what i mean the townies over there they sound like english and okay fine your normal your numenorians they sound a bit more like i guess sounds like someone's trying to do a drama Ro- rome thing mm. you know like gladia but it doesn't it doesn't feel unique. It doesn't feel timeless. It feels dated. You, I feel like all these thick, thick British accents really date. But the... do you not think? I mean, I agree. But like, do you not think that that's just part and parcel of so much fantasy TV? Like, how many times do they go to the world with the UK accents for this stuff? A lot, I think. You know. Yeah, but my point is, you, you've 
I get what you're saying. The problem is, is that Peter Jackson already set the groundwork for you. Mm. Like if the, okay, fine. If this was the first Lord of the Rings thing you were making mm. or talking thing, okay, fine. You you fell into the trap of making everything sound British. Yeah. But you have the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings where Peter Jackson has showed you this is how people should sound. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Some people can have a bit of an accent, you know, uh, maybe for comedy effect like Mary and Pippin and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But you know, no one has it like a distinct, distinct um, accent. All the hobbits sound different. Every mm. hobbit basically has their own way of speaking. Every human, every elf, mm. everyone has. But obviously, they've just been told, "Hey, tone it down." If you've got a thick English accent or Scottish or whatever, just just tone it down a bit. Like, so are, do you reckon all the actors are Irish for the hobbits, or would they be? God, people? no, 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 no. They just they're probably British actors who can do an Irish accent. Or oh, a, okay, a, but they're a, a stereotypical Irish. Accent. They're at least UK, though. At least you know they're. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I was surprised that that was a controversy, but like they were saying it was racist, and I was like, really? It seems a strong, well, strong. Call. Okay. Could, um, yeah, but I mean, okay. Imagine this, right? Imagine every time there's an African in a movie, they're a racist piece of shit. Yeah, but they're not racist. <laughs> no. The hobbits. I mean, they're useless. But they're no. Not what I'm no. I'm using South Africa as an example, right? Sure, yeah. The problem with Ireland is that I guess they have always generally been seen as like these poor people. Do you know what I mean? Like a, a, a poor nation. Like the or, potato famine and all um, that stuff. You know? Yeah, yeah. And, and like a, a nation of like uneducated people. And so I guess when you're doing these stereotypical stuff, and as you, and again, it's the characters who are superstitious, who are. Mm. Um, I guess. Uh, uncultured uh, sort of stuff. I guess when you maybe you see that a lot, you <laughs> might turn and say, "Why is it every time there's a, a people like this, they always fucking?" Sound but Irish, like, there's poets, there's drinkers, there's all sorts. Like you know, it's yeah, uh, but they never show those, do they? I don't know. I I don't know. I, I I just thought calling a racist was. I mean, it's lame. I do think that calling the Irish accent amongst the hobbits racist is a very long bow. I would, I, I, I definitely think it, it would be insulting. I mean, I, I, if I was Irish, I certainly want to be. Well, I've got Irish heritage. I've got, I've got a heavy Irish, Irish heavy heritage. Yeah. I couldn't care less. I'm just saying, I could see it as insulting. I, I don't oh. see it as racist or anything like that. But I mean, I would definitely be insulted that I'm like Jesus Christ. Really? Is this what they think Irish people? Uh, um, but it's like the dwarves are all Scottish, apparently. I, I mean, I've got heavy Scottish and heritage. They are much cooler though. I guess. Like, and these half-woods. I, I, you know what I honestly think? Like, and I, look, believe you me, I'm not, you're not a, I, look, I think the Hobbit storyline is lame as fuck um, and you could delete the whole thing and it would just only improve the show. I, I feel, honestly, that with the dwarves all suddenly being so fucking Scottish it, that it's weird, it's lame, it takes me out of it. I... I I just think it's too on the nose. And this comes from someone from the Clan McVean who is Scottish and proud of his Scottish heritage. So, I, But I just think that it's too on the nose is how I would describe it. Like, it's too thick. Everyone's got it. Like, I'm like, it just feels like a really deliberate it's choice. Lazy. It's yeah. lazy. Like, it's just, I'm just sort of like, so what, this is just like a really Scottish Clan of Dwarves? <laughs> I don't but that's know. That's my point. Is these people have learnt all the wrong lessons from from the movies right mm. so they've looked and they've gone oh um pippin sounded uh irish yeah 
Uh, so we'll make them all Irish. Oh, Gimli sounded Scottish, so we'll make all the dwarves Scottish. And it's like, yes, but if you actually watch the stuff, like if you if you then also watch The Hobbit, which has yeah. got like um, 13 dwarves in it, you'll hear that they all sound different, that yeah. they all have slightly different accents and they don't all sound Scottish. But yeah. again, it's these people, the showrunners from this have learned all the wrong lessons from what we do, we're on the same page. I, I'm, I'm actually marking my Lord of the Rings Rings of Power score down to a six now. It's, it's falling. It was a six point five. It's now a six, and that's overall. Um, and I, I could easily see myself slipping down to a five or five point five if this, if this series doesn't really pay off. This has uh, been the steady fall for me since the start. And I don't blame you, man. I do not blame you at all. We're on the as, same as page. As it decreased, hasn't increased. Yeah. It's just been a steady fall. Fair enough, man. Um, well, turning to this, oh yeah, I did want to ask you. So, in terms of the two Amazon fantasy series, do you prefer Wheel of Time or Rings of Power? Give me your honest answer. Oh I'll... God. Yeah. Um, Jesus. Yeah. Interesting one, isn't it? Wheel of Time. I mean, I'd well probably mentioned. say Wheel of Time just because. Um, I don't care about it as much overall. Like, the, like yeah. obviously, because I love the Lord of the Rings movies and I've yeah. read The Hobbit and and the, and read the books growing up. Mm. Um, that has maybe a higher place, yeah, for me, which means it's going to get judged harsher. And while I don't enjoy Wheel of Time either, at least I don't have any attachment, uh, uh, yeah, attachments or memories or uh, you know anything to sort of. Um, increase my disdain for the show. That's yeah. the best way I can explain it. Yeah. Funnily enough for me, outside of the Numenor storyline, which I do like, I prefer Wheel of Time. I, I, I think everything else in this is is so slow. And it's sort of like, it's slow in the weird sense that I really feel like they're stretching, but they're also stretching multiple storylines. So it's, 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 it's like slow, slow motion to me. It's, it's like, honestly, you're already padding and then you're including there are so many storylines that are moving so slowly that I really feel like it's taking a long time to get anywhere um mm. and they almost use the amount of storylines to disguise how little is happening because they cut to all the different stories and to sort of distract you from the fact that it's taking so long uh, the Numenor storyline I do like like the Numenor storyline I find very watchable I, I'm really enjoying that as a Numenor fan it's actually quite nice. I, I like the look of the city. I, I like the court drama. There's too little of it. Uh, I think you could have leaned more into it. But I am enjoying that. The rest of it, like the Hobbit stuff, is just killing me. When Lenny Henry broke out in a song, I actually said, oh, my God, it's Lord of the Rings, the musical, <laughs> with fucking Lenny Henry walking through that fuck. And at one point, they're walking across a plane with that stu... You know, that they all try to look like bushes. And I said, this shot looks absolutely ridiculous. This is no camouflage at all. Like, they're walking across a plane with their stupid grass on top of their heads. They stood out, if anything. as it's So stupid is how it looked. Like, I'm like, it's such a specific disguise. Like, if they're in a really grassy area, it's a good disguise. Anywhere else, they look like idiots with grass on their heads. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like... It's just nuts, man. I mean, oh no, I no no, I completely agree. The, the they, the, man, they should they should be cut out completely because they should. Um, they really should. Uh, 
I, I still think you could have done this wizard story differently and better, or maybe even save the wizard for next season because he, him with the hobbits have done nothing, right? Yeah, they've not tied into anything, yeah, and I don't care if someone goes, oh, but it's going to be set up for season two or three. Well, then fucking set it up later then, because please, please. because the halfwits are not adding anything to the show. Nothing. And I don't think the Hartfords, I don't think anyone likes the Hartfords. I don't think anyone who even likes the show mm. likes the Hartfords. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't think anyone does. I agree. So um, they, they should be taken out completely. They, they suck, basically. And they gave them the wizard just for something to do. That was very clear, you know? Oh, just, yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah. and that's why I believe it's Gandalf. No, I, if, I, I, if I'm betting, I agree too. I agree. I, I believe that this is where they're going to show why he loves hobbits so much. Yeah, totally unnecessary as well. Can I say you know, that? That's why when when things have to happen that save Middle Earth, fucking Gandalf always goes for the hobbits. And can I say this as a Tolkien fan? Completely unnecessary for this backstory. You know, you know how you uh, hate, hate you know how you hate prequels. Well, this is one yeah. fucking prequel. The backstory of Gandalf with the hobbits that we did not need. In, in any media whatsoever. And it, the fact that it's being stretched out episode after episode only makes it even worse. Um, yeah. Jeff Bezos, all the billions you've been spending on this show, some of it should have been spent on a fucking script editor, you know, uh, to get through and just remove some of the fluff from this story. But you know, you, here's the problem. You talk about, like, with the Blade guy, right? Being like, oh, what's he done? Yeah. This show has been run by two guys who've also done nothing. <laughs> Really, the showrunners of this Lord of the Rings have done basically nothing. Really, they have no experience. It's so weird like, to me. I don't. I look. I'm all for people getting a chance, right? Hey, you want to give people a chance, but not on a billion dollar. Yeah, yeah. Fucking franchise. No. Then you get. Then you get established people. Then you get people who've got experience and know what they're doing. They should be doing sitcoms or something to earn their. You know, crust. That's basically. when you go, hey, Peter Jackson, you fucking show running this shit, man. Yeah. Well, they probably couldn't pay Peter Jackson enough. I think he's that burnt out from Lord of the Rings. Like, Listen, you've spent a billion dollars. You fucking, you, you, you spend another, you know, 300 mil and you get Peter Jackson to be the showrunner. Not the writer. Yeah. The not the director. Just the showrunner. Yeah. Yeah, true. Um, turning to House of the Dragon, uh, they cast, recast the two lead actresses. Um, this show is really heating up. It's really good. It's so much better and watchable than Rings of Power. Um, this was a, there was a really interesting moment in this. Rich, have you you haven't read the Game of Thrones books, have you, or have you? I read the first one many, okay. many, many years ago. Right. Because in this one, they had Damon, who's the Matt Smith character. Uh, he was in a foreign country that I don't. Is Westeros the world or the continent, or is 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 Westeros? Oh, it's a continent. Yeah. Or, so uh, to the right of Westeros, to the east, there's a there's a there's a, a a trading nation called Pentos, and that's where Matt Smith was in this episode with his wife and stuff. Because it cut forward ten years, it was done really well. I, I I've got to say, I'm finding the storyline quite gripping. I actually think it's really uh, amongst like how Game of Thrones was in the first few seasons. It's really watchable stuff. I think this will. This could really be a long-running series. I, I, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and, and again, stuff happens in it, Rich, and yet it's not battle, 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 but there's consequence. There's movement in the storyline. Dramatic stuff happens. They do. A, they cut forward a few years. Like, you're invested. 
rather than just like slow, 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 slow. It's actually, it's definitely worth watching. I, I, I think it's actually a bit of a hidden gem of a show and so much more. Like we watch Rings of Power, you know, keenly, but this is so much more enjoyable. You know, like you feel like you get more out of it, more bang for your buck kind of thing, you know? Yeah, but I mean, also again, it also helps where there's no attachment. Sure. It's stuff I don't know about, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, it's stuff that, you know, yes, okay, oh, oh, Game of Thrones is what uh, um, was popular and all that. Sure. But, um, I mean, that ended on such a sour note that you've just got to do something slightly better and you'll probably win a lot of people back. Yeah. But Game of Thrones doesn't have decades and decades worth of fans. Hmm. Oh, it does. It has 20 years worth of book fans, you know. For 20 no, years, okay. those books. I'm, I'm talking about like many decades, like Lord sure. of the Rings. Sure. And oh, also yeah. three highly acclaimed movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? That are like, a lot of, a lot of people are like the peak of cinema. Sure. You know what I mean? Are like perfect movies. Mm. Um, it doesn't have that baggage. No. So even if it isn't 100%, even if it's only 80%, that still is enjoyable because it's an unfettered 80% enjoyable. Totally agree. Yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it, and um, I and I think what what I'm particularly liking about it is is it, it just sort of is getting better, if you know what I mean. Like it's you, you, we're getting invested, uh, Michelle and myself. There's ten episodes in the first season, and um, I think we're up to about episode well, I want to say about five. Um, and yeah, really feel like I'm getting a lot out of it. Now, some interesting news here: James Earl Jones seems to be stepping away from the voice role of Darth Vader. The 91-year-old actor has signed off on archival recordings being utilised by AI synthetic speech technology to recreate his younger voice for future Lucasfilm projects. So more Darth Vader um, through the automated system. What do you think, Rich? I'm pretty sure they were doing that already. Well, I thought they did it for the last appearance in Obi-Wan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. I know they were trying to probably say, oh, and James Earl Jones. And again, it's like the Mark Hamill thing where he did probably go and then drew, uh, say the lines, mm. but then it's filtered through so much computer shit. But I think now he's just saying to them, listen, just do like that thing you did with Mark Hamill where yeah. um, uh, you just get the computer to do my voice. I give you permission because I'm not, I'm, I just don't feel like recording the shit anymore. Well, I mean, he's 91 as well, so it's like, you know, and his voice definitely sounds older. You know, you can't disguise Oh, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's yeah. probably a probably a, um, a wise but, move. Yeah, but you know what? I'm, I'm, I don't know. I, I would much rather you actually go and find someone talented enough to do the voice. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, so Sam Whitwer... Uh, is an actor. In fact, he plays uh, a very poor doomsday on Smallville. Um, really, does he? But he? Yeah, but he also plays. <laughs> um, he's the he's the Star Killer character in the two games. Cool. In Force Unleashed. Um, yes, Force Unleashed in the two games, and he also does the voice of Maul in the animated Clone Wars show, right? Mm. But he does a fantastic, perfect Emperor Palpatine voice. Okay. Right, so if you ever needed to record Palpatine lines, he can do it like ninety-seven percent identical. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he's that good. So I just feel like just find someone talented enough, yeah, that can do the voice because then you can get acting. Do you know what I mean? Then you can get that person to go. Well, let me try it like this. Or what if I say it with this inflection? Something that a a, 
a computer is not going to do. Mm. Computer's just going to give you the, this is what it should sound like. They're not going to give you the, well, let me try it if I put the inflection here. Or let me try it if I raise my voice here. The computer's not going to do that. Yeah, maybe someone can spend time and do it manually, but that's just something that an actor can do. You know, like an actor and a voice director working together. I would just much rather than get someone who could sound like the character than do it through a computer. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I mean, look, the thing, the weird thing is, a computer, computers surely are at the stage now where they could maybe mimic it, though. I would have thought. I don't know. But, but it, they can mimic the voice, but not the acting, not the. But can't they do give give me a emotion. give me a concerned voice in the program and it can punch it out? I don't know. I would have uh, thought. Okay, yes, it can. Uh, okay, yes, technically it can. If let's say someone has delivered a sad voice, but. Do you know how many different ways an actor yeah. can make something sound sad? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just by what they don't say, where they catch their breath, where whatever. Like, it's not just like, oh, say it's sad. Actors, there's many ways they can say something sad. Like, yeah. that's the point. And an actor can give you that, hmm. you know, because an actor can be like, hey, well, what do you want from me? What is happening? Why am I feeling this way? And they can actually give you something that probably a computer would not have because a computer is just binary. Mm, mm. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, I don't know. So it's it's interesting, and um, but but like Darth Vader, if you think about it as well, he's under the helmet. There's tons of people that I think could do James Earl Jones. Like, I mean, when I say tons, I mean really good voice actors who could do it on the internet are probably doing it right now. You know, mm. I don't think he. I actually don't think his voice is that hard to do. I think it's Im- imitatable. Considering it's Darth Vader, he 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 gets a certain amount of scenes, but I don't think Darth Vader's chewing up scenery for hour upon hour. I, I really feel that like that's one that you could get someone to do the voice of. But, but you know, but but also you don't need the 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 voice to sound exactly the same either, right? Because look at the look at the animated cartoon show, right? The the Clone Wars. Did he voice that? So many people. So, no, but that's my point. No one from the movies voiced those characters. Yeah. Right. So, you know, oh, man, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the guy that did Anakin, more people will probably hear his voice. Hayden than Christensen. And, no, no, no. Hayden Christensen is the actor-actor. I'm talking yeah. about the voice actor. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's the same. A lot of people, when they think of the clones, mm. they think of D. Bradley, uh, D. Bradley Baker's voice, not um, uh, Tamara Morrison. Yeah. Right? And... Uh, something Arnold he did the voice of Obi-Wan so my point is those people did such a good job Mm. that even though it doesn't sound exactly like in the movies that's still what people hear in their voices or that's what has become to be seen as you know what I mean like well that's still the character yeah so you don't have to have someone that sounds like a hundred percent like James or Jones just someone that can give you that similar performance agreed you know even if they make it their own a little bit well, instead, Rich, they're going to get the computer to do it. Because... That's, that's my point. But that's, in a sense, that's, you know, okay, I get it. Like, if you want to make it look like Luke, right? Mm. I get that. Yeah. But Disney really is becoming soulless. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, they, they're yeah, getting they to are. the point where they're just going to have computers no, do everything. They, they are. They, they they definitely are. It's, it's yeah, pretty it's funny. Sad. It's pretty funny. But, yeah. Now, CD Projekt Red has revealed over 20 million copies of Cyberpunk 2077 have been sold since December of 2020. Um, I'm back. I found my disc, by the way, Rich, that I lost. Um, and did I'm, you returned the other one? Yes, I did. 
and I'm and I'm playing. I'm playing um, Cyberpunk again this morning. I went in and started playing it. Uh, you know, from where I was, and I'm back out on the streets, man. Great fucking game, basically. Great game, and um, because because of the Edge Runners anime, uh, which is really popular on Netflix, which is a cyberpunk um, anime show, which is a great show, by the way. Um, heaps of people have flocked back to cyberpunk, so it's pretty cool, man. Just goes to show you get a hit show going. They've done updates on the game. It's rock and roll, man. It's time for you to get involved, Rich. Mm. Come on, no, man. I, I, I respect myself too much. Ah, oh, Jesus. Uh, now, Marvel Studios has retooled its planned Armor Wars project. What was to have been a series of Disney Plus service will now be redeveloped as a feature film. As a result of the shift, the project will be pushed back further on the development slate. Don Cheadle reprises his longtime role of Colonel James Rhodey Rhodes and remains on board the star. Yassir Lester, who was acting as head writer on the series, will remain as the film's writer. Uh, the studio was reportedly committed to getting the story right, and in doing so, realised a feature was a better suited format for the story. Um, the original comic, which gave the series its name, tackled the idea of the highly advanced technology of Iron Man falling into the wrong hands. Filming on the se- series was to begin in 2023, as we're saying there could be some delays. Pretty cool, Rich, that they're going to do an Armor Wars movie, though. I'm down for that. You there? I guess. What's this I guess shit? Like, this was when he fought Captain America for the first time, and I was buying the comic. This was when I got into comics. This is when I bought my first, um, my own comic, like, with my own money, not my parents or something. I went down and, and bought Iron Man, and this was right around the period he had a little fight and a little tussle with Captain America because uh, he was getting yeah, all I, I, I don't care about um, Don Cheadle's uh, roadie. I love it. I don't care. I'm sorry. What I, is wrong I, with Cheadle, man? Cheadle is great yeah. as War Machine. I don't actually like him as War Machine, honestly. I love Cheadle. I've I've gone on record many times about. I I would Cheadle. prefer a much more manly looking military guy. You say Cheadle looks too light. I think Cheadle looks far too small and squishy to be a military man. <laughs> squishy. Um. Now, you've got some news here on Jack Reacher, Rich? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just some good news that uh, they've started filming uh, Jack Reacher Season 2. Is uh, is Season 1 on Amazon? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah, I want to check that out, actually. It's, um, based, on the, it's based on the book, mm-hmm. uh, Bad Luck and Trouble. Okay, all right. Um well, I'm looking forward to that. Now, Venom news, Rich. Have you actually brought in some Venom news? No, not not Venom news. Oh, Ugh. what? It says the Venom director Ruben Fleischer uh-huh. has been tapped to enthusiastically helm the long-awaited third installment of the Now You See Me. Oh, right, so they're doing. Um, so the Venom oh, director is working on Now You See Me three. I. I really enjoyed the first movie. Oh, they're okay, the man. But I thought... the, second, the second one was not as good, but the first one I thought was good. Yeah, they're okay, Rich. But when I read this news, I thought it was saying Venom 3 was coming, and I got very excited. Oh, I just thought you'd be excited that uh, the Venom director is getting more work, you know? Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. But I really would prefer Venom. Um, I don't think there'll be really. a Venom 3. Sorry, man. Why? Why? Because Venom 2 was such a... Ugh. I enjoyed it. Let there be carnage. Are you, are you gonna serious? Cut, they're going to cut their losses. They're going to go... Ugh. Are you kidding me? 
What? No, I'm not kidding you. The second Venom movie was very boog. I enjoyed it. What about me? Does my voice ever get heard? No, because your voice, your the bar for your voice is so low down there that no one can hear it. What do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> That's mean. I, I'm, I'm going to Box Office Mojo here just to look at Venom. Let it be Carnage Box Office results. I'm getting very desperate. Um, nothing's looking good. It's got a low IMDb score. It's a 57 on Rotten Tomatoes and a 49 on Metacritic. Can the box office save it, Rich? Can the box office uh, numbers I save it? I think it did less than the first movie, so it no. Did, it, it made a, it made five hundred and six million. So it did okay. Yeah, but the first movie did almost a billion, didn't it? it, it the first movie made about uh, eight hundred plus, I think. Yeah, um, so it's a big drop off, mate. Yeah, but five hundred million's not not terrible. Um, yeah, but that's but but come on, it's almost fifty percent drop off. It is a big drop. Why was it a drop off? I enjoyed it, man. I like. What is wrong with people? As hey, I said, I know, think what it's is wrong because, with people? and look, I think it's their own fault. They should have le- they should have lent far more into the um, horror aspects of the Venom. Sure. Um, uh, elements. Original uh, made eight hundred fifty six million. Eight hundred fifty six million. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The the second movie was too too comedic. I thought. I enjoyed that though. <laughs> I found that fun. I tell you what, I don't know. Maybe maybe the Marvel movies have brainwashed you, Dave, into accepting that everything should just be funny. I tell you what is interesting: they both made about the same amount domestically in the states, but the international numbers on Venom One were way higher, which pushed yeah, eight hundred million. Yeah, well, I think the international would have been higher on the second movie had it been maybe less of a Marvel movie. I don't know, man. If I if I had my way, I would have had more Spider Man in it in it or some spider-man in it uh, um, i would have had more horror man you're dealing with carnage i would have had way well, more dude, horror. What, like how much horror do you really need like i would have gone hard r i loved all those scenes like where venom was like at the with the band and everything that was hilarious stuff man like I had his big long tongue he's just he, he is kind of comedic like he's got a dark sense of humor like that's venom man deal with it you know, like Carnage. I don't have to deal with it, Joe, because you won't be a third movie, so I don't have to deal with anything. Uh, well, the annoying thing was when I read your piece of news, I thought you were announcing a third Venom movie, which I hadn't heard about, and I was so excited. Well, maybe you should have read it before you. Got I'm this. so annoyed. I'm so <laughs> depressed right now. Um, just aside, I was reading some Bronze Age Superman two eighty eight. Superman shrugged off a nuke, and I do mean shrugged off a nuke, as in not like Dark Knight Returns, where the nukes really knocked him around, if you recall. In Superman 288, the nuke explodes. He just flies out of it. He's absolutely fine. So mm-hmm. I, that, to me, is my Superman. That's the Superman I want to see. A nuke doesn't worry him. Um, very sad news. Carlos Pacheco was diagnosed with ALS, uh, the Lou Gehrig disease. Um, much love to one of uh, comic book artist rock stars. Uh, what do you think, Rich? Very sad, isn't it, man? When you when Yeah, you that is. Uh, well, yeah, I mean... It's tough when you're an artist because there's no real, there's no real uh, way around it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, oh, it's gonna suck. I'm, I'm not trying to like. I mean, look, if you if you're a writer, it's it's, it's terrible if you lose your hands or, or or can't type. But I mean, at least you can get someone to, to dictate for you, or you can mm. speak to text, or you know, it won't be easy. But at least you could maybe try and do something. Mm. Um, whereas an artist, I mean, if you can't even hold a pen, yeah. 
or a pencil or whatever, it, that's it. It's it's done, man. It's... I, I just feel really sorry for him and his family. I think it's terrible. Yeah. I really, I, it is, it's just awful. Um, poor guy. Uh, now, Jurassic World's Colin Trevorrow admits there probably should have only been one Jurassic Park. This is the guy who directed Jurassic World and Dominion. Uh, he said that the series was inherently unfranchisable in a recent interview. What a... I mean, yes, I agree. There probably shouldn't be more than one, but, like, what an odd thing for him to say. Like, obviously, he's not working for Spielberg anymore um, with these comments. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it's, it is it is interesting because um, this Jurassic Park basically followed the same trajectory as the Original. first Jurassic Park. Yeah. I mean, the first movie did very well, mm. and each movie after that is just stupider and worse and yeah they went downhill they went downhill Um, fast and they clearly didn't learn from that um and i agree with him i think the first jurassic park movie works by itself Mm. and is a very interesting self-contained movie Mm. um i do think it is a movie that you could probably make a sequel to yes 30 years later Mm. where someone decides to go back to the island or you know, maybe people are now going there poaching. Yeah. You know, or something like that. There's something interesting you can do with that um, uh, at a later stage. But yeah, I do agree with him that the Jurassic Park movies, they are unfranchisable because how many times can you just keep going back to the same island? <laughs> but they, they kept doing it though and they've been kept making money. So it's like, mm. but they did franchise them. That's what I but also... Less and le- yeah, but, but less and less money, that's the thing. Like both have proven yes. that... There's a so there's only so much dinosaurs people will be willing. To... <laughs> I guess, but like, like the profits, the, the movies are making money, you know, like as in profit. And I mean, what is a franchise if not that? I mean, like, yeah, I mean, yes, I understand, Dave. You can say, oh, but look, it made a profit. But I mean, let's be honest. Okay, let's say you spend, mm-hmm. let, let's say you spend uh, five hundred million on a movie, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you make seven hundred million, right? You go, yeah, you made a profit. But that's not enough for the 500 mil that you spend. I mean, if you're spending 500 mil, you want to make a profit of close yeah, to a billion dollars. You want your return on investment. Yeah, but... you want, so making profits, not, uh, it's how much profit you make. It's I how agree. profitable But they all made substantial profits, didn't they? I, like... I don't think so. I, I think they made less and less with each movie. Yeah, um, yeah is, well, is you are right. The, the same thing has happened. And I don't really, you know, you know the Jurassic World movies I like the the first one I really like the Jurassic Park, and I quite like the Jurassic World. The first one of each of the trilogies I liked. The, the no, uh, I only like the park, the, the first one. Yeah, but like I, I do think both of them though struggled after that first one to actually be good movies. Like I don't, I, even mm. if they made money, I don't think that they were particularly good movies. Like. After after those first ones, um, let's have a look here. Let's see what Jurassic World Dominion took worldwide, and so not yet. Yeah, Jurassic nine hundred ninety seven million for Jurassic World Dominion. So it made plenty. Um, so nine hundred ninety seven million. That's a, a tick under a billion. Um, you know, barely under a billion. And what did Fallen Kingdom make? Fallen Kingdom. I bet you were made around the same. Let's see. Bring it up. Sorry, internet for some reason is being slow here. Yeah, the okay, it made one point three billion. So yes, the Fallen Kingdom did make more, but still, it almost touched a billion. The third movie, 
And what did the first one make? So I think the first one made yeah. What in the first one, Jurassic World made one point six billion. Yeah, I think they've been lucky that, uh, especially the last movie, had no real competition. Sure. Sure. Uh, that certainly helped. Where people go, well, I want to go watch something, and yeah, it's got dinosaurs, so I guess I'll go watch it. But I don't think many people had much good things to say about it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great movie. I mean, I watched it. I was, I was bored. You know. Like, um, <laughs> frankly, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly not defending those movies. I think I actually think, I think they take an interesting idea and do some of the least interesting stuff possible with it. Like they just really, I mean, he was bragging. Oh, in the third one, I did some really interesting things with like they're living in a world run by dinosaurs, and I was like, I watched the movie, pal. It wasn't that interesting, you know. <laughs> like Jesus Christ, like don't get too carried away. Uh, now, a new report reveals details about a new Solomon Kane TV series in development. Um, I read the report. It's very, it's Netflix. They're talking about it, Rich, basically. I know you're a Solomon uh, Kane guy. Mm. So there's something in development, but so is that Conan thing that's still churning around, you know, like a lot of talk, but not a lot of action. Now, yeah. do you remember Charlie's Angels, the reboot with Elizabeth Banks directing? Um, she regrets, <laughs> apparently, the marketing saying it wasn't a, a feminist manifesto, just an action movie, which is so different from the kind of shit she was saying around the time it came out, you know? You oh, I, I, I read the article, and this is, this is, this is clear um, history rewriting. Yeah. This is someone who thinks, oh, time has passed. I'm going to claim that yeah. I did something completely different. To what I did. She was in so many interviews saying how, you know, this needs more women need to be in action movies. Mm. Men need to watch more women in movies. And, and she went on and on and on about yeah, how she did. I men remember. Yeah. Oh, woman, this and shit and all that. And let's be honest, even in the movie, there's fucking preacher fine. Oh, there was. Yeah. Um, and stuff about how women are better than men and women are just capable of. And I like, like Christian Stewart. And I, I thought it was a very poor film, to be honest. I really did no, feel. If that. I'm going to watch Charlie's Angels, I will watch the Cameron Diaz. Uh, Drew Barrymore, uh, Lucy Blue. I might even watch Farrah Fawcett, frankly. Um, yeah, I, look, I don't know. I, all I can say is that, that movie was awful. Uh, she she was like preaching. She was like, frankly, preaching is exactly what she was doing. And it was that classic thing of like, if you don't come and watch this and support this, well, you're just a misogynist pig. You know, that kind of like, that was the vibe, well, you know? And I just... <laughs> Uh, what okay, so Bill Burr, right? Is, yeah, he's funny. Uh, he's, he's, funny. He's, he's a phenomenal comedian, right? He's good. He's got this fantastic joke, uh, the, this uh, line where he's talking about uh, the the WNBA, right? Yeah, and he's talking about like how they keep bitching and moaning, how they should make the same money, and why they're getting say the same as men, right? And then he's saying, "Look how empty the seats are there, right?" Yeah. But his point is, his point is, we are the women. Yeah, like. Yeah. You, you keep Good saying, point. you men need to watch. And it's like, no, why do we have to watch the women's sport? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The women should be watching the women's sport. <laughs> That's funny. The, the, they should be filled to the brim with women supporting women's sport, right? And it's the same with this movie. You keep saying, we don't make this for you. This is for women. And then when the men don't turn up to watch the movie, but none of the women do either, yeah. then they bitch and moan about, ah, can the men are so sexist, they don't come watch the movie. And it's like, Where's the support? Where's the you say it's for women? Mm. So women's sport is supposed to be for women. This movie you made is supposed to be for women. Where's the woman? Why aren't you yelling at women saying, Woman, why are you not showing up to watch these movies? And weirdly, 
yeah, I agree. Like, she had it all wrong. The whole pitch was off. But, like, people turned up to watch the original Charlie's Angels movies. I saw both of them in cinemas. I mean, yeah. they, were, they were hits, you know? But that like, was a different time, mate. That's when there was no, that's when there was no preachy fine. And, oh, there was and, probably a bit of girl power in there. I'm sure there was. But, no, like, but, you know. but their girl power was just like, oh, we're awesome. Yeah. We're good at our job. Not once in that movie, not once did any of these characters turn around and say something about, you've got it easy because you're a man or you don't know how much harder I've got to work because I'm a There was none of that shit. They were just badass. Yeah. Girl power. But the positive girl power, the girl power where they're not looking to blame yeah. other people or, or the other sex or, you know, or put yeah. down the other they're sex. They're always going to do that these just, days, though. And that's why I say people don't have an issue with strong women. They just have an issue with being berated and lectured. It's oh, it's, it's the lecturing. They, they the problem with all the, the world's, you know, they the world's woes. Yeah, it's the pandering and the lecturing that I think makes a lot of people who just roll their eyes. Like, you know, it's not like I'm throwing the remote. I'm just like, I don't need this in my life. <laughs> like, this kind of... And, and she was guilty of that in the press for this. She was... Oh, good, yeah. She was... Oh, she was... She was vitriolic, almost, I would describe her as. Well, and it one, didn't help. 172%, mate. Yeah. And I like Christian Stewart in, in, in movies and stuff. Like, I, I think she's... I don't actually, know why, but okay. No, I, I, I actually... I've seen her in stuff where I've really enjoyed. I, I, I like her as an actress, and and I just think it was a, it was just a bad movie. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I don't actually... Marketing would have slightly inflated your numbers, more positive marketing, but not hugely. It was still a bad film. Um, this was interesting. Bruce Willis, who recently announced his retirement from acting due to his illness, uh, has sold his deep fake license rights to his so his face can continue to appear in films. I'm like, my God, Bruce. Is he, is he trying to get royalties? Well, obviously. I mean, that's why he's selling it. Like, you know... It's, I don't know. It's it's weird, though, because, A, this is a guy who's been cashing in for years, um, but I think it really is acknowledgement that, sadly, Bruce is out of the acting game now with, with these problems, um, which is sad, and I you know feel sorry for him. But uh, I wonder how much... If it was a hu- I said to Michelle, if it was a huge price tag, I could understand. Like, if it was, like, $50 million or something, maybe that's worth taking that chunk of change. Um considering he's basically retired. What, what's your view on it, Rich? I just think he wants to, yeah, he just wants to keep getting money. Um, he'll sell it and then there'll be a caveat that he, if they use him, he gets like, I don't know, a, a royalty check or something like that. I yeah. think he just wants to continue, even though he can't. Yeah. I think he just wants to, I wonder if he owes a lot of money of something that he's been, that's managed to keep secret. I don't think so, man. I, I, I think the illness started to take hold and, yeah, but even you know, before he never seemed to like care. Um, he never looked like he was having fun. No, in a lot of the movies, yes, there were some like um, um, Red. Yeah, Red and Red. <laughs> he too. seemed to be enjoying himself. Red when he was working with um, John Malkovich and all this sure. stuff. But I'm sorry, but uh, so many of the movies that he's in, mm. he barely looked like he wanted to be there, man. Like, yeah. He, he didn't. He was. Well, I think he checked why, out. I think he checked out, man. Like, yeah, but it made me wonder if he would, if he had a, um, that he managed to keep secret, if he had like a Nicolas Cage problem, you know, uh, <laughs> he actually owed like a lot of money or something, and he just managed to keep a secret, and that's why he did all these terrible movies. No, I think it was more that he was struggling to remember lines, uh, and no, no, but I'm talking know. about reasons for doing all the bad movies, though. No, but that's what I'm saying. I think that. 
in those films, he is not in them that much, and he has a lot less to remember. And so he he was getting a, a steady paycheck, like a good paycheck, for limited work as a pe- as in low profile stuff as well. The, yeah, but not, this is you Bruce know. Willis. I mean, he doesn't have to be in that many movies. Yeah, I he don't was, know. I'm a speculator. He almost had like four or five movies a year coming out, man. Like yeah, so many B-grade movies. And that, I'm sorry, to me, I just go, why do you, Bruce Willis, mm. if you did one a year, you know, or mm. one every two years, and it's maybe because the script that you liked, even though maybe it wasn't a good movie, but maybe you liked the script, I could understand. Mm. But I mean, we're talking about a guy who did like multiple movies a year and bad movies. Yeah, I know. It's weird. I agree. It's it's it, 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 It's an odd decision. Um, but the sad part of the story is he does have this disease, so maybe he now just wants... Maybe, I, I honestly think it was just he had an end date and his family had an end date for him to even be doing this, and it was just make as much money as possible until that date. You know, that was it was... Well, like, now obviously it's changed and he wants to continue making money. Yeah, but he doesn't have to do anything. He, he can no, sell, sell those yeah, rights, you know? know? He can sell I those rights. It, it's very interesting, man. It's it is. very, very... Well, Shopping with the Gang, we had a few interesting ones coming up. So next week, uh, the Essential Judge Dread Necropolis collection is coming out. Rich, if you don't own this, I would strongly recommend you get this. It's uh, Necropolis is one of the all-time really good epics, and they're putting it out in that Essential Trade format that they did America mm-hmm. and Apocalypse War. So I, I can tell for, for our listeners out there... Um, Necropolis is definitely a very good Judge Red story, and we will definitely do it on Dread or Dead, and we'll have you on, Rich, when we do it with Adam um, down the track. Also, the absolute Doomsday Clock hardcover. Now, Rich, I still haven't... I've got my Doomsday Clock here. I am going to read it. I've got the soft cover. I own it in soft cover. I own it in two hardcovers. I don't know why, but I do. Um, I really do want to read it. Um... Is it worthy of an absolute edition, though? I'm not buying the absolute edition, but is it even worthy of an absolute release, in your opinion? No. Mm. Um, I mean, the art is good. Don't get me wrong. Gary Frank. The art is fantastic. Um, It's an interesting story, but no. Yeah, I I would... uh, From what I've read, I'm like... It's, it's interesting enough, but an absolute edition, like, to me, that's reserved for the real classics, you know? Mm. So, anyway, but it must be it must have sold enough, must have hit enough numbers that they that they um decided that. But I, I am looking forward to reading it. We, we should do it on the show before the end of the year, actually, Doomsday Clock, because I, I really have meant to sit down and read it. And then, finally, American Vampire Omnibus 1 is getting re-released, so I just wanted to put that there for listeners if they weren't aware American Vampire is a pretty damn good series. I, I just got the trade, the American Vampire 1976, which is the most recent one. Have you read any of that, Richie? Like your horror and all that stuff? Yeah, but oh, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not big into vampires, man. You know. Oh, that's right. You're so, can I say this? You're so hard to please. I thought I finally found something that would interest you, like horror, then, of course, not vampires. Listen, mate, don't blame me because you don't pay attention, okay? I have told you like a gazillion times I always forget. that I don't like vampires I always forget. and you I will forget. still recommend me something vampire-related. You prefer werewolves, don't you? Isn't that right? Werewolves, zombies, yeah. okay. right. uh, Frankenstein, is... monsters. Well, why don't you um, go and buy all 16 hardcovers of Walking Dead? Buy all, 16... <laughs> buy all 16 um, 
hard covers of Walking, Walking Dead. Dead. Boring, yeah. man. What's that? Walking Dead's boring. It's not about the zombies. It's about the stupid people and their drama. <laughs> That's true. Chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye. I'm a loped out gangster, set tripping banker. And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger. Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life through a dire. What can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know.
Weekly Comics, Rich. Okay, pick some classics this week. First one up, DC Horror Presents Sergeant Rock vs. The Army of the Dead 1. Uh, Bruce Campbell, um, you know, we know him as uh, Ash from Evil Dead. He was the writer on this, actually, and I thought it was uh, entertaining enough. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I like seeing Sergeant Rock and uh, Easy Company and all that stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of like formulaic. And I don't know how you felt about the, um, everyone had walkie-talkies and sort of more modern communications. But, yeah, I mean, I gave it 7 out of 10. I, th- I, I was looking forward to this read, and I wasn't disappointed. What did you think, Rich? Um, it's, a little, it's a little on the slow side, if I'm being honest. I was expecting something a little bit more... Uh, Action-packed. Start off with a bang. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's very exposition heavy. Mm, there isn't geez. really much action that happens um, in it. Um, no, the walkie-talkie stuff and all that didn't bother me. I get what they were trying to do. It's fa- it's fantasy, and they were trying to say that oh, this is new cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, stuff. And everyone's like bamboos will be like, oh my god, this is like magic, you know, kind of thing and all that. So it's not like they're treating it like it's normal. Mm. Um, interesting. I definitely want to obviously keep it because uh, keep uh, checking it out because oh, obviously sure. it's, it's Bruce Campbell, it's, it's zombies, it's the Evil Dead and all that. But issue one, if this is supposed to be the one that grabs, you know, mm. I've always said like I think you should you should lead with a big action before you get to exposition because you want to get people a bit hooked. I agree. I agree. Like give them, give them a spectacle, but this one <coughs> it was mainly all exposition. <coughs> No, you're so. not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. yeah you're, you're right, actually. And, yeah, I, I'm giving it seven, uh, and I'm probably being a little bit generous. What are you giving it, Rich? It's a six. I think you're six. being a little generous. Probably but it's, 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 um, it's definitely got potential. Artwork was good, too. Can I say that? I enjoyed yeah, the art. Yeah, I enjoyed artwork the art. was good. Uh, then we had Adventure Comics 275, Dave diving into the Wayback Machine. Um, the first meeting of Superboy and Bruce Wayne, I'm, I'm giving this 8.5. I loved this. Rich, I loved this storyline. Um, just part of my... I'm not even sure if this would be Bronze Age. Maybe it's even more Silver Age. But whatever age it is, sign me up for it. And, oh, my God, could you imagine me back Oh, this then? is definitely... This is Bronze Age. Is it Bronze Age? Okay. It well, has to it? be because Silver Age didn't really... Um, I don't think they did too much with the... No, it's, no it, dude, it's 1960. So that is, that is Silver uh, Age because 1960 okay. go. 1958 to 1970 is is technically Silver Age, basically. Yeah. It, um, it just it felt very Bronze Age. I fucking love it, man. I loved it, dude. And I mean, I'm going to make a comment now that you may laugh at. I'd like to see this modernized and done as a movie or TV episode. Oh yeah, bring it on an animated feature, please. I need it. Add in more stuff. Toss in Mongol to this mix. Why not? That's some out of the box thinking, Rich. He's very out of the box thinking. <laughs> I, mean, I loved it, as you can tell. I, I, I really thought this was a good time of the races. I'm giving this eight point five out of ten. Where were you, Rich? Uh, I'm, I'm going to give it a seven out of ten. Oh, it's enjoyable, come on, man. Really, it's enjoyable, but it's absolutely throwaway. I mean, I'm saying let's put this as a feature film. Mm, I'm saying no. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
then we had now Superman two nine two. I mentioned it last episode. This is LES Mag, and I'm going to ask him a question about Luther relates to this. This shows the storyline of how Luther lost his hair, man, mm. and blamed Superboy. Remember, I mentioned it last week. Well, this was the one. Now I want to ask him: Did he come up with this, or is this a redo of a you know an older like Silver Golden Age comic? He may have came up with it because I know this is what. Uh, um... John's reference in his uh, Superman um, Secret Origin. Right. Really? Uh, okay, yes. Book where he also has um, uh, Clark and, and Luther in Smallville and, mm. and something happens and Luther loses his hair and stuff and all that. So that's where Jeff Johns got that from. And I th- we'll, we'll ask him, but I think it was Megan that, um, all right. well, that did that. But we'll ask him for confirmation. We'll ask him for confirmation. We'll get it straight from the horse's mouth. Get ready for this. 9.5 out of 10. Loved it. Loved it. Um, I I just can't get enough of this Bronze Age stuff. What are you giving it, Rich? Um, it's a 7 out of 10. Oh, jeez, um, man. Where are you coming with these 7s, dude? You're, you're behind the times, man. Get with I the times. I know. I, I don't think I am. <laughs> it's No, look, it's it's a fun little, like, um, oh, you know, this is why Luther hates. Yeah. Um, but it's all... Um, it's not very exciting, though. You know, for me, and, and I'm going to make a comment now that may blow you away, this gets into the characters in a way I just feel like I know these. This this is my kind of comics, man. I'm realising that I am a man. When I was a little kid and I was reading Superman, this is the kind of stuff, and I genuinely feel more connected to these characters than I do the modern day, you know? I, I just I there's something about it. I'm like I get it. I understand it. I it's it, it just is entertainment central, and I'm like man. Now I understand why Luther hates Superboy so much. I get it. All of a sudden, you know, like it's like a light bulb has gone up over my head, man. Weirdly, and mm-hmm. I just feel I just feel it, man. You know, I just feel it, and I I, don't, I almost don't know how to describe Look, it. I... I get it. I mean, I do. I do get it. I mean, again, we're talking about like you know Bronze Age stuff where yeah, seventies. It was more lighthearted, but I'm I'm not a fan of like. I'm not a fan of Luther being in Smallville. I'm not a fan of really wow uh, Superman or Superboy being the reason that he lost his hair and then somehow <laughs> they wind up in Metropolis together and they become the greatest of nemesis, never knowing, you know, like or Luther never. Put I'll put I, I, I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of that. I mean, I'm a more. I, I'm a fan of the the Burns where Luther's just a guy in Metropolis. Yeah. Superman shows up, steals his thunder. Yeah. yeah. Everyone starts, you know, cheering Superman and seeing Superman as a savior instead of Lex. And and he's jealous. It's it's that yeah. It's that typical of like you you've got it easy because you've got powers. Everything's mm. so easy for you. I'm human. I'm better than you because I got to work harder. I just prefer that. Mm. Than the whole like oh they've known each other since kid bull. But you like, like Smallville and all that, man. That's that's where all this comes from. No, too, but, you know? no, 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 no. But hang on a second. The reason I like Smallville and why I didn't enjoy Smallville later on mm. is because Smallville was sold as this is Smallville, as in it's an alternate reality. Yeah. So all that shit of like um, you know Lex and all that. No, that all happens on in Smallville. There is no Metropolis. Yeah. But, they but then they started. No, no. But that's my point. But then they started doing that anyway. I loved it, and that's when people started going off the show because then the show just started becoming like a cheap Superman. 
okay. sort of show, you know, of like not in costume, but in Metropolis being a reporter. And you kind of went like, I kind of thought there would just be Smallville. Do you know what I mean? Like that it would just be like a, an alternate reality where he didn't really become Superman, but he still dealt with all these villains and, and Luther, but in Smallville. Yeah, whatever, man. I mean, like, I don't know, dude. I, I get it. That it's it's I, I understand it does stretch credulity that he would not realize that Clark Kent Superman when he's fought Clark he's fought Superboy you know his life and stuff, but I just dug it man and you know what I I really like about it like and and like in all seriousness I I, I say this like I feel maybe I'm just a shallow man but like when there's <laughs> there's this scene and he says, um. The, the guy asks, after he puts Lex away, and he says, I said, is hate all Luther ever had? And then Superman responds, no, no, it's not. But it's the only thing on earth he's got left. And I was just like, bang, bang. Oh, no, there's some good writing in it. Yeah, I, mean, that's I was like, like, wow. I, But I was like, I was boom. I was like, wow, that's character. You know, mm. that's character there. And... um I tell you something I would be interested in. I, I, I can't But the thing is that even works for now though. I mean, forget about whether they knew each other in Smallville. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that true. would still work that would still work today where like someone says to him is 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 hate all Luther has or has ever had and all that and Superman can still reply no no, but it's all he has left now. Like yeah. it still works today. It doesn't totally. work because totally. they knew each other in Smallville. So it's right. a great line. I agree with you. It's a fantastic yeah. line. Yeah. That's it. That's it. and that's what I love about it, though, man. That's it. All leads up to that, and you you know, people might not realize this, but but like, I never think about these things, and then it was it was like Dave in a Hall of Mirrors. I was just like, man, that's deep, real <laughs> deep. I was like, that's deep. That's real deep. And I went and watched Smallville, and I was happy. <laughs> the end of the story, and I went to sleep. Had a good sleep. Um, yeah, but uh, we're going to ask uh, Elliot this man because we've got the man himself coming on the show. So I'm going to pitch some questions at him, get some ideas flowing, man. You know, mm. it's going to be good stuff. Tune in, people. We're, we're speaking to him this week. Um, what up? What do we have up next, Rich? I'm just trying to bring up my phone here. Oh, yeah. Uh, Action Comics 461. Oh, yeah. So this was interesting, only in the, the Perry White story in the back of Action 461 is, a, look, allegedly, and I want to say that allegedly because we're going to ask Elliot about it, this is what led to him leaving DC in the late 70s for several years before he came back in the 80s. He had some sort of an argument with Julie Schwartz over this Perry White backup, which seems extraordinary, but apparently it's on the record as, as it was like a real... Did you read the Perry White backup about the kid wanting to publish something and... Apparently, Julie Schwartz and Elliot S. Maggot had a real dispute over this of some of some sort, um, and I want to kind of get you know his take on it. I mean, it's interesting because I didn't see Megan's name. No, he he got his name list. removed. He got his name removed from the byline because because mm. they forced a change in the story. I don't. That's I, true. I'd yeah. love to know what why. Well, because, I mean, it seems like a pretty harmless. I agree. I agree. I was like, I read it. I was like, what is the big deal here? But I mean, it's a very throwaway story. It I just think there may be more like a grandpa like bragging to his kids, you know, maybe embellishing. Yeah. I think there may be more to the story and I'm going to delicately ask him in the interview about it just to get his take on it. Because uh, to be honest, I, I tried to read the article 
And it was very confusing, uh, frankly, I read an article. Like, it didn't make a lot of... Like, it was very complicated. And mm. I was like, you know what? I'd rather get Elliot's story here, frankly, because at the end of the day, they mended fences anyway. So it's, you know... It, but it was some sort of a dispute of some sort which led to him walking away from Superman for a couple of years. Um, and what's interesting is when I read the storyline, I was like, this, this is such a throwaway lo- story. I mean, this is, not, mm. this is not War and Peace we're reading. Um... And then finally, and I and I picked this one for you, Rich. And so you should you should thank me for this. Action Comics six four two, interesting storyline. Hal Jordan is shot, and all these different candidates uh, appear or are summoned, I guess, by the ring, to including uh, Clark. Um, who else? Nightwing, uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu. <laughs> Um, a hostage negotiator and someone else, and they're all lined up as candidates. Dead man's there. Um, interesting story, actually. I felt rich. And um, what did you think? You're the Green Lantern guy. Yeah. Um, as a Green Lantern fan, it is um pretty good and pretty terrible at the same time. Sure. Well, what's give us what's good and what's terrible about it. Explain. Well, one, I hate that uh, Superman was chosen first. Oh, yeah, in the retcon, yeah, in the retcon, yes, that's true. Yeah, yes. so, like, in this, uh, he brings uh, Clark Kent. That's right, originally, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, through discussion, he's like, oh, okay, well, you're not native, so I can't choose you. Get to be able to choose one of these. And then Clark's like, oh, I recognize that Hal Jordan guy. He's a test pilot. I interviewed him. You should take that guy. Oh, great. So Clark Kent also chose fucking Hal Jordan as oh, what a what a god. He just everything he touches is the right thing. Like, yeah, no, I um, yeah, that's true. That, that I also didn't crazy. like Green Lantern getting shot. Just like so easily fucking shot. Well like, he was he was struggling in this storyline, man. For yeah. was this when he was going through the alcohol? Wasn't there a period where he was like on the source pretty heavily and stuff? And like, no, I don't believe this was that. No, but he was struggling for form. Remember, because he's like, I don't have the willpower. Uh, well, they've always made him struggle for form because they've always tried to give him like um, more. The problem is, is that so many writers just don't know what to do with Hal Jordan as a character, so they just give him um, uh, troubles in his life. Yeah. You know, oh, not working out of the job. Oh, Carol's this. Oh, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, he got fired from this. Now working as a traveling toy salesman. Oh, you know, like they've just they try to in- introduce so much like fake drama, like yeah. um, crap. Um, what I find hilarious though is Guy Gardner was chosen when he already is a Green Lantern, which was very weird. Well, the, yes, I didn't quite Gu- get that. Guy Gardner takes his ring off to fight a guy and gives the other guy the ring, which yeah, but is weird. The rings are like um, computers; they should know that Guy Gardner is already a Green Lantern and has a ring. Yeah, that was funny that Guy Gardner got picked. Um, I was like, "Was he going to have two rings, or, or like is he like yeah. an NBA superstar now with like all the different championships?" And then somehow Dead Man gets chosen as well. Who's just a fucking ghost. <laughs> Which didn't make any sense. But to what me. about Archbishop um, Desmond Tutu? That was a odd selection. Like they I sort of. Tutu, I, th- I thought it was just a. I think um, that's who it was, man. I think it was Archbishop Desmond Tutu because it was all about how it was in South remember, Africa and stuff. Yeah, but I don't remember seeing that name. No, they didn't Maybe name him, but the, that was who yeah. they were definitely going for. I think I don't know. Like it was interesting though. Like I, I, I gave it, it a seven. To me, when people who have no idea what happens in South Africa write about stuff in South Africa. 
well, yes. But anyway, look, I did think it was fun. It was a fun read. Like, I gave it seven. I mean, it was very kind of like mid-80s. You know, like it was very sort of almost flabby, if you know what I mean. Like it was, it was, it was a weird comic, but I did enjoy reading it. Like, and and I thought it was fun. You know, I think it still works if you don't have Superman at the start being chosen first. I don't know yeah. why that is a thing. I think that was just to get the splash page of Clark Kent at Abin Sir's thing because Gil Kane did the art, didn't he? Or did and- some of the art? Actually, no. Uh, Gil Kane did very at the start, but it was actually Steve Ditko. Really? It so is. Art by Gil Kane, Steve Ditko, and Art Thibbert. Uh, okay. Cool. Right. Actually, there's quite a few. It says Jim Aparo, John Nieberg, Kurt Swan. So apparently, a, a lot, lot of, of people had a crack at drawing some of this. Well, uh, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I think that the uh, Clark Kent thing was just to get the splash page of Clark, Clark Kent at the spaceship. That I think it was that was just it, really. And then they, but yeah, when he's like, "Oh, Hal Jordan, yeah, he's really a hero in waiting," I was like, "Oh God!" Like, mm. <laughs> I was like, "Okay, <laughs> yeah." It was like uh, Hal Jordan endorsed by Clark Kent <laughs> takes the Green Lantern ring. <laughs> And not my not my favourite. No, no. So what are you giving it, Rich? I'm giving it seven. It's a six out of ten. It's a six out of ten. Now, uh, finally, good. Odd. I mean, some good odd. I mean, it was really nice seeing. Um, you know, it's always interesting to me how some just some art is so much better than the others. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. Now we come to our trade of the week, Rich. Your pick, Spider Man Identity Crisis. Do you want to take listeners through the basic pitch of this one? Yes, I picked this not, uh, just because um, JM did work on it, mm. and I thought it's something we could ask him about because uh, obviously he, uh, DeFalco, him, and um, uh, Howard Mackey, and the, what's the other guy? That's Django. De, yeah, De, Todd Django or something, or Django. Yeah. yeah. So basically, um, Spider-Man has been framed for murder, mm-hmm. and uh, there's a five million dollar bounty on his head. And so he decides to, in a sense, go into hiding. Mm. And how he goes into hiding, because he still needs to sort of protect the city, find out who, you know, set him up, get the evidence. He creates four alternate identities. Mm. He creates um, Hornet, Ricochet, (laughs) Dusk, and Prodigy. Mm. Um, And I'd love to, I want to talk to, uh, I'd love to ask James, um, did they all decide like these the things or would did each writer create his yeah. own good 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 um, question yeah thing and all that sort of stuff um and uh and it's one of those weird things where i feel like you know like where the clone saga went off for too long yes i feel like this kind of went off for too short yeah <laughs> like i feel like could have gone on a little bit longer uh and got a little bit more meat to it but maybe yeah. they were just so scared of doing a clone you know a clone saga thing that they they ended it but uh yeah so he basically just creates his four things and he um has a bit of fun with it you know one of them and, and what he does is he actually creates different personalities for them as which well. is pretty hilarious i think you know yeah so prodigy basically plays like a captain america slash superman yeah like old school um, superman almost like you know yeah, like and yeah. Ricochet's almost a bit like yeah i could be a criminal for the right you know he's like a wisecracker isn't he as well 
like well, wisecrack, but also like, hey, cut me in on the deal, and yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I'll turn the other, turn the other, you know, the other way, and all that sort of yeah. shit. And then Dusk is all like, you know, silent, mysterious, Kong type, and Hornet's probably the closest to Spider Man. Yeah. Um, in terms of which actually gets him in trouble because he gets too quippy, and then uh, Vulture realizes it's still him. That's so actually cool. I thought like that was actually yeah, a so cool. He loses that identity. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting story, um, and really four really cool, interesting characters yeah. that kind of work on their own as well, in, in a way. Um, well, uh, you know, I'm gonna cut it like, yes, a very to me, it was a very thin concept and, and a bit ridiculous, but you know, you know what helped. I really like the art, even with the different artists across the titles. Like Mike Waringo did art on one of the mm. issues, and he's he always the Hornet ones. Yeah, he's always a pleasure. Um, mm. Look, honestly, I had a good time with it, and I was—I always like my Spider-Man, you know. And I've been reading the Clone Saga, and we're into the Ben Riley Saga on Ultimate Spider-Cast with Phil and Ray. And I didn't feel this was quite as good as that stuff, but it's very similar. It's all the same people working on it. Um, it was a stunt. Well, that's why I said I, I agree with you. I think it's an interesting concept not taken far enough. Yes, I agree. Yes. Because it would have been interesting to him, see him, like, when he lost the Hornet identity, maybe something happens and he loses that identity. You know what I mean? Like, mm. slowly something goes wrong or he gets into... Um, because remember, they've also set that up with the, the Black Tarantula character. And I yeah. thought that was going to, but it kind of finished without that one being resolved. Yeah. So it would have been very interesting if the Black Tarantula figured into this with the different identities because Ricochet looked like he was going to kind of infiltrate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a, a rival. So there was definitely, there was definitely meat on them bones. Yeah. They just didn't really like. But it was wrapped up, wasn't it? He retired all the identities, didn't he? By well, the each end. one just got two ep- uh, two issues, yeah. So yeah. there's four books, and each one basically got two two issues, and then it's done. So, I mean, yeah, you could say, oh, well, that's you know, it was eight issues, yeah. but it's it, it could have been. As I said, there was definitely more meat on the bones to 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 really pull this out and flesh it out a bit more. But Do maybe you- it was just a brief, you know, thing where they had an idea, like a palate cleanser after the clone saga as well. Or maybe just them going fun, saying, "Hey, let's all each one of us create a different yeah uh, identity and and see who's is the favorite." What did you think of the favorite. visuals? Because I found was it Prodigy? Was that his name? I found him really cheesy, and but then I'm like, "But that's the point of him, you know?" Like, well, yeah, I, I liked it because now it's almost like um, he's kind of role playing. He's almost yeah. like. He's basically like, man, like this is like the characters I used to read about, you know. True. And I make, yeah. I make, uh, I make uh, Steve Rogers, Captain America, look like a a, a bad boy, you know. Yeah, what I mean? yeah, I'm yeah. Playing so, so straight. Um yes. And then Ricochet, as I said, he's playing him more loose. He's playing him more like, yes, he's still wisecracking, but he's actually offering the bad guys like, hey, cut me in. You Ricochet know? was my favorite out of them all. Ricochet was my favorite. I liked Ricochet, but his eyes were too similar to Spider-Man's. That yeah. was my only gripe was that his mask was too, the eyes stuff was too similar to Spider-Man. It was funny when he said the leather jacket craze ended years ago, and they're like, oh, come on, yeah. leather, you know. Like, <laughs> like it was fun. Like, honestly. That was probably the laziest because it was literally just a black costume. And it was just some costume that they picked up from. So, yeah, he was the laziest, but it kind of fit. I kind of did rate that um, he was doing different personalities for them. 
Like it wasn't just costumes; he was actually play acting all of them. In I get ways. why he was doing that because look what happened with the Vulture when yeah, yeah, he was yeah, yeah. playing it too yeah. similar to Spider Man. People kind of were like, "Wait a minute, you're fucking Spider Man!" And, so, and Osborne realized as well. And it was kind of cool seeing Osborne was like a owner of the Bugle, and um, mm. there was that storyline, that crazy storyline that was going with Robbie Robertson in Europe. Um, with, uh, Which is still ongoing. That's still yeah. a thread that is that yeah. continues past this um, yes. story. So there's definitely other threads that are happening. That uh, especially like the Black Tarantula, the yeah. the Robbie stuff with him investigating um, Osborne in Europe and all that. So that stuff's still ongoing. It's just that the the identity stuff is is finished. It makes you realize how long John Romita Jr. has been doing Spider Man. He's still doing Spider Man now. And he was doing yeah. Spider-Man back then. But his art is the was best at this point. It like, was very strong. Yeah, it was very strong. He still gives you some weird faces at times. Like there's a couple. Look, of, that's his. Know, that, that's his style. But he was definitely better here in like the when was this like the two thousands? Yeah, yeah. You know, it it was his style. But whereas now, it's weirder. It's it's yeah. even more loose. I think, and sometimes oh. a bit. Even now, it's like a bit more like, oof, what's happening? Sometimes he can be so loose, too loose, you know, mm. and, and, and like they don't cover it up either. You know what I mean? And, you know, like... But yeah, no, back in the 2000s, I was a massive uh, oh, Romita right. Jr. Um, oh, yeah. fan. I, I thought his, his style was very unique and uh, very distinct. Definitely. Uh, really definitely. set him apart. Um, so I mean, um, the stuff he did with JMS when, when JMS got on Spider-Man. Remember mm-hmm. that, which is only a couple of years after this. I don't think it's that long after this. Like JMS mm. got on in about '99, I reckon. Um, this is probably like late '90s, wouldn't it be? Identity Crisis, like it'd be '96, '97, somewhere around there. I don't think it's that far away. Have a look. Um, this would have been a challenging time for Marvel actually when this came out because it was before Pomiati and Crisada sort of turned it around with Marvel Knights and everything. So yeah, mm. interesting. Um, but like overall, uh, I'm glad we read it and I enjoyed it and I love my Spider-Man and I'm always up for reading Spider-Man I haven't read. And you know what I have read? I, I own Spider-Hunt, which is the trade just before this. So I own that um, in on my shelf as well as owning it digitally and this digitally. And I felt Spider-Hunt was slightly stronger than this. But both of them are pretty solid, you know? 1998. There you go. So it's, this is just before JMS um, came on and, and he was tasked with kind of rebooting it a bit. But um, I felt Spider-Hunt was probably 7.5. I'd give this a 7. It, it's good, solid Spider-Man. If you're a kid looking for entertainment like your Spider-Man, you'll enjoy this. Like, it's 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 almost designed for a bit of a younger audience, I think, this one. It's, it's a bit more fun. Um, and... It's got all the bits and pieces I like. Like you can't tell me Mary Jane and Spider Man don't work. It they work great in the in this mm. uh in this in this comic. Like there's so many good things about the Spider Man universe that really for all the troubles Marvel was having, Spider Man was not their problem, you know? Like this is a good Spider Man storyline. I'm giving it seven. I could be argued even higher. Where are you, Rich? It's a seven point five. Um, yeah. I really enjoyed it. It's got uh, good writers, you know, you know, uh, working on it. It's got fantastic art. Mm. Um, it was also fun to just see Spider Man because while he's playing, as you say, he's playing these different characters. All it does is re- make him realize he's Spider Man. Like that's yeah. Yes, he can pretend to be this, or he can try and be more like this. But at the end of the day, Spider Man he is who he is. Um, 
and uh, just before we move on, one sure. One thing I liked about um, uh, him pretending, right? So when he's ricochet and he's and he's fighting, um, uh, what's it? Is it Delilah or something? Yeah, 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 Delilah. Yeah. Um, the the that big uh, sexy chick in the purple. She's crazy. Um, he actually has to let her hit him a couple yes. of times. Yes. So that she doesn't figure out that he can basically like dodge. dodge. Mm all of her shit and he's just like oh man it's fucking hurts and he goes but i gotta let her get in a couple of blows and she like smacks him to the wall he's like oh God, i'm gonna stop this soon but i just thought like that was just fun i like that yeah they were having fun with these different identities he was having fun and also showing you how he's got to think differently because he's so used to relying on his webbing his spider sense yeah and all that sort of stuff um um, yeah, so kind of like he went undercover. So I really enjoyed it. I wish it had been a little bit longer. I wish they had maybe gone a bit more into the uh, Black Tarantula stuff. Sure. I've got a question. Um, I, I like seeing Pace Pop Pete and the Trapster. That was a cool reveal. Um, hmm. Was that Prowler who built his costume for him? Because the guy said he was a part-time Prowler. I think it was Prowler because wasn't Prowler's name... Um... I don't know. I, I don't know much Ronnie? about Prowler. But... Not Ronnie, is it? The way he said he was a part-time Prowler, I was like, well, is that Prowler? And he's kind of almost like the tinkerer. But for Yeah, Hobby Brown. Hobby Brown is the... Okay. Yeah, Prowler. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah, it's Prowler. Yeah, well, that was good to see. Prowler is... Uh, like, I like checking in with comics at various points and you see what was happening with the character at that time. And, I mean, he was pretty sort of helpful to Peter Parker, really, and, and Spider-Man, uh, you know, basically. Well, I think Prowler's always kind of been a good guy. Okay. See, I didn't realise that. Forced into a bad situation. Right. Okay. So, what's the name of the? I'm just looking here. So, who is the? Who is the name of Prowler? I'm just trying to find out who. What is his name? There's there's Hobart Hobby Brown. Yeah, Hobby Brown. That's it. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. So that's um that's that's who this is. Yeah. It's it's got here. The character eventually appeared in his own solo comic titled The Prowler. The character was inspired by Romita's 13-year-old son, John Romita Jr., who sketched a villain called The Prowler. That's hilarious. Uh, Lee liked the name but not the costume. Romita combined the name with a design that he had previously intended for a character called The Stalker that was intended for the never-published Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man 3. So that's interesting. That was originally inspired by John Romita Jr. himself when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Interesting. It all goes full circle. Um, Yeah, look... Honestly, if you like Spider-Man, you'll enjoy this. It's it's very readable. It's fun. Sometimes I think a 7 pretty much says exactly what I feel it, it is, and you're giving a 7.5 a very fair score. Mm-hmm. This is fun. Uh, read Spider-Hunt before this because Spider-Hunt's the one where the Punisher and the other ones are tr- trying to get him, you know, for the bounty. Um, and I probably slightly prefer that, but this is – they're of a piece. They flow into each other. So it's a good double up if you're going to read it. Um that brings us to the end of another show, Rich. Um, we've we've punched it out again, and I do want to say, a lot of yeah, man, we've you know some blows back and forth. Rich has again reminded me he doesn't like vampires. I've got to make a note of that, Rich, because I always forget. I always recommend vampire stuff to you for some weird reason. Well, I like vampires, and so I think that's I, I. What I actually think is, I know Rich I... likes horror. I, I I know Rich likes horror, so I just followed away in that. Um, have you ever watched any Night Gallery, Rich? Do you ever watch any Night Gallery? That's an old show. Isn't yeah, it? massively old show, seventies. Yeah, um, anthology. I've probably seen a couple. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I got the DVDs. I've been working my way through them. There's some good ones. 
Um, yeah, now look, thank you to all the listeners. Thank you for supporting the show. Please give us a rating on iTunes if you can. Like us on the Facebook page. We've had real increase in actually uh, Uzbekistan, honestly, Rich, um, in recent months. We've actually had quite a lot of listeners uh, tune in from there. Also, big um, hello, yeah, big hello to all our European and US listeners as well. Um, we've always got uh, some Asian listeners and our Australian listeners. You know, we cater to all types across the globe of this of this planet, this orb spinning around the sun, part of a universe, part of a galaxy, then part of a universe, maybe a multiverse. Rich, go all the way out there. What's <laughs> after a multiverse, man? Is it just God playing checkers? <laughs> Maybe. Wow. See, I could go all the way. I could go all the way. What's beyond that, I say? Let's go all the way. Bang, 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 bang. Can you imagine that, man? Wow. If you think about it too long, it'll drive me crazy. So don't think about it, kids. That's that's why I don't. Yeah, don't bother. Because I certainly don't put a lot of time and thought into it. When I do, I just like... It's like when that guy said about Lex, it's all he has left. And I was like in the Hall of Mirrors going, oh, yeah, that's it. That's literature, kids. Um, for more insights like this, join the Patreon feed. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Signal of Doom. Um, highly appreciate if you can contribute to that, to the war chest, uh, as we seek to rule the world. We're not going to stop at the world. It will be the universe, but we'll start with the world. Don't, don't, don't start escalating again. No, I'll, I'll restrain my ambition, my mad lust for power. Um, what else was I going to say? We're proud members of the collective. Obviously, you've got Ray at Into the Night. You've got Connor and Ray on Last Sons of Krypton. I believe I'm going to make an appearance on that again soon. You've got oh. Phil blazing away with Lilith, Charlie, Will, others on Capes and Lunatics. They have a host of shows. Strongly recommend the Capes and Lunatics podcast uh, network. Excellent network. You've got, um, uh, what do you call it? Trapped in a World, the Howard the Duck podcast as well. They're good guys on there and always good to see some Howard the Duck mentioned. Ghost Spider Groupies, a lot of stuff. And, of course, Signal of Doom itself. Like, I consider it's like a Death Star, basically. Uh, did, does, it, does it surprise you, Rich, that I've always kind of... I don't know if I've told you this. I always kind of go for the Empire. <laughs> yes, I I don't even think new listeners would be shocked at that revelation. Uh, like, I say it to I Michelle all the time. Think- even if someone was tuning in and this was their first show, I don't think they would be surprised. I just I never understand why the Empire has to, like, always lose, like, and have the weaker soldiers and stuff. Like, it's like, we're the fucking Empire. We can crush these dissidents, you know? Um, but anyway, oh, don't... To be fair, both forces were weak. It took... Really? It, it, it was only... The only competent people were the Force users. I guess. <laughs> Well, I like well, the, you know, Imperial Walkers. The, the Rebels would never have destroyed the Death Star without probably Luke using the Force. True. Good point. So, you know, I mean, neither of them exactly had like a fucking stellar army that hit their marks all the time. Yeah. Well, certainly the Stormtroopers missed all the time. Um, anyway, look, on that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night. Good work, Rich. Good work, Rich.